0: Uh, for name, I'm just using Steven. I'm also going to think of a good one in the next five seconds. Mm. Okay, Steven it is. Damn it. Something <laughs> down to DTF. Eh, nothing's, nothing's coming up. Who are the um, Jersey Shore guys? Snooky and the Situation? Oh my god, the Situation. I think about that guy's name like probably once a month. Really? I've, I've never seen the show. Oh, why do you think of his name? I Because it's the stupidest thing I can I've ever heard in my life
1: right yeah it is hi
0: i'm the situation Uh uh-huh oh you know seating reservation for the situation (laughs) it's great roll call at you know the dmv the situation can you please come to counter six like it's i've never seen the show i've never seen the guy i just i heard about it once and it stuck with me as the silliest thing ever (laughs) mr t situation right
1: (laughs) well uh are we going with steven or are we going with the situation
0: we're going with steven but we're leaving all that in
1: so wait, we am, I am introducing you as the situation?
0: No, well, well we're just, no, we're, okay. this is a, a, a hot start. Welcome Ow. to Not Everything is a Clue, the podcast where Inyash and I discuss Alexander Whale's sub-serial worth the candle.
1: Holy shit. Uh, hi, yes, this is Inyash. Um, I guess you already guys know about Stephen and the situation because we started up like this. Uh, I, I am very discombobulated. I do not like going off script. Ah, Yes,
0: <laughs> your objections have been documented and Excellent. will be considered for during the semi-annual review. It'll be considered for dismissal. Speaking of other considerations or other objections to consider for dismissal, we had some audience feedback, right? We did, yeah. Uh, I'll grab this first one here. Uh, This was a number of people that all
1: kind of added up on this feedback at the end. Uh, Wes started out saying, did anyone else think it was too convenient that Evil June decided that his ideal course of action was to turn back to Good June? And Gadbibay said, which is a point of suspicion? June comes back having failed to be a successful addict and having reverted himself. But he's suddenly all interested in companion quests and putting points in social. And Keiko Hayam says that and he has a convenient excuse for Amy to not verify his soul integrity uh, due to having that, that meme stuck inside <laughs> him. So, uh... So, are we climbing the the ladder of paranoia here, or um do we do we think that maybe Evil June is still sort of driving things here?
0: I like Kako Lukayam's uh contri- contribution there, and that like, and we can't even verify stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's from the outside. It it admitted admittedly doesn't look very good. No, but he was. We had the inside view. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I mean this could be evil June now writing the second half of this book. He's like, it's, "Yeah, no, no guys. I'm I'm totally back to normal. I just think it's really important to do companion quests now and and burn through these things." Maybe.
0: I I feel like I believe what I saw when he was giving us the breakdown, like I don't know, I'm sure this happens in some books where like the 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 narrator is just straight up lying to you. Mhm. But I don't know how that could be rewarding cuz you're sitting there like i mean it would be like as rewarding as watching a tv series or a season you know hours in and then like oh and it was a dream none of that happened and then like they go back to like the regular episodes uh well that is
1: always extremely unrewarding but like uh fight club had an unreliable narrator for a lot of it and that was like the reveal was just fucking awesome when it happened
0: yeah i suppose you're right i yeah i i guess i'm just Bracing myself in that the event that this book goes the way of Fight Club, I have to brace myself for a huge letdown. But Aww. we'll see. I like where the, we, I like where their heads at though. Well well yeah. done everybody. You are properly yes. paranoid. <laughs> Finally paranoid enough.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, Fred,
0: because uh, I, I I speculated last week about when he unlocked uh Unicorn Bone Magic. Mm-hmm. And I remembered the time when he was like he tapped it and he felt a mental stat for the first time and he unlocked all of those. Mm-hmm. And that was like back when Fenn was reco- recovering from blood loss, um, but apparently level thirty blood, uh, bone perk unlocked the unicorn stuff, and that was happening when he was healing everybody after the soul magic stuff or the whatever soul poison. Yeah. Oh, so that was Fred, if or Fred LF. I'm not sure what character. I think that it's is. LF. Um. So yeah, nice, nice call out there. I think during the the mayhem of the attempted massacre, I completely forgot that he unlocked that that level yeah that
1: it wasn't until after the whole that the whole thing
0: went down of course Uh, it was thanks dm (laughs) uh
1: the one butcher pointed out that on the uh we were talking about the three beat of going it alone with um june taking off and leaving the party behind and we had said that his going it alone when they were at uh silence and scrutiny was a win because well, things turned out okay and it was kind of a fun adventure but uh the one butcher points out they were both losses the first time he didn't save val val was a hard counter to masters and had him outclassed uh and june lost Fen because fenn broke up with him uh after that due to the going alone and the things that happened and he damaged the party dynamics so uh so probably not a three you know not a one loss one win and then the tiebreaker situation
0: according to the one butcher I can see where they're coming from. I, if I had to make a serious guess, I think that it's like the, if there'll be a, a moral on the, like an explicit one in the text about whether going alone or three beat, whatever it's going to be, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, you know, the first one was kind of a win and depending on how much you want to squint, you can just say, no, look, he did go back and help. He met Palida, Um And yeah, he, he damaged party dynamics, but he also, you know, showed everyone who's who's really boss um and the second one i mean he got spirit or he unlocked spirit he got raven a high level companion um he got access to books from the future like yeah sure there was the whole thing where he almost became voldemort and some people died but like i'm just saying i think that you can find you can make a pros con list for both so i think that the real answer is it's complicated
1: Hmm. okay i i think the second one was a massive loss and the butcher's kind of convinced me that the first one probably was as well, but but he got he got is... he got
0: Raven and Spirit. I mean, honestly, how many dead Muggles is that worth? Like, um, how many dead Muggles did they get to get Kumbh Duna? Like dozens, right? Yeah, but we didn't talk with any of those Muggles. And they were <laughs> ugly frog people. That's that's a good point. <laughs> frog people matter less. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, then there's uh, Gorky's take. Um, that I read June and Grack's interaction wrong in the Kin Creal, crin- kin- kin- was it, chapter?
0: kryn uh, I think there's only one K.
1: Okay. Uh, he said that uh, his take is that Grack is imagining the differences between what June sees in Grack versus what he sees in Amaryllis and uh, thinking that Grack looks bad or gross. And June is just clarifying that it doesn't matter how good a Grack would look, That, like, even if he looked like Thor, Grax still wouldn't be attractive to him the way Amaryllis is because he's not gay. And I went back and I reread it. And actually, I think you can totally read it that way as well. And upon further thinking about it, like, even though either way is probably uh, it can be read either way. I think Gorky's right because the principle of charity does mean that it's probably more more better god that's that's a bad english uh it's probably a more better interpretation of the text to assume that the author was trying to say exactly what gorky was trying to say and i was just doing bad reading there
0: i don't know if it was bad reading i think that it was it was one reasonable take but no, i, th- I, I also think gorky's right um you know it june is by all appearances straight so you know it, again it's like yeah it doesn't so i I like where how he framed it, though. It's like, Grack is imagining the difference between how June sees him versus how he sees Amaryllis. Yeah. And it's like, no, man, it's not that you're not hot, though you're not. It's just that I'm not into you, right? Yeah. Or it's yeah. like, it's not that you're not hot, because, man, you're a 10. It just doesn't get my engine revving. Right. But Grack was taking it the first way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, this last one from Steven. Uh, I've been meaning to ask for, like, up to this point fan art for several weeks, and I keep forgetting. So this is my request, everybody, to throw a uh, thread on the Discord channel and put some fan art in there. I can't go fishing for it because I'll find the one that's like a picture of the end of the book. So <laughs> right. counting on you guys. Yeah.
1: So only only put um spoilers up to this point only fan art on there. Yeah, it'll be fun. Cool. So that Stephen was you?
0: Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, of the fan art I've seen, I've seen that one picture of Amaryllis from like the second episode we did. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so other than that I've I have no fan art of the story. Oh, you haven't seen the Shia LaBeouf thing? No. Oh, okay. Oh, that <laughs> sounds awesome.
1: I mean, it it's just Shia LaBeouf like from the you can do it video, like looking to the camera and kind of screaming and his eyes are
0: red glowy. Oh, someone made that an emoji. Yes. Okay, yeah. But so it I have came seen that. from
1: a it came from a, uh, I don't know if it's fan art. It's it's a bunch of different things clipped together in Photoshop, but uh Delightful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All righty, shall we jump into the show proper? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Chapter 137,
0: Darili Irid. We open up with a basically Grak POV. Uh, I planned, once I realized what was going on, to keep my eyes open for, like, the mind territory or the, the map territory stuff that Grogler is supposed to be good at. But the, the text was using he instead of whatever, nod or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, this must be like June's recounting of Grack's backstory. So it's not going to have the, it's not going to be translated grogglier. It's going to be English, which is English. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, oh, just wow. kind of a fun meta note. I was like, oh, great. A view, a view from Grack. And I was like, oh, wait, not really, but kind of. <laughs> yeah. But kind of, yeah. And, and
1: speaking of Grack's kind of view, God, the, the, speaking of, I, I got to stop doing that because that's
0: just, it, I think getting, I think it, it was minis. going great for like a year. And then I called attention to it last week yeah and now i can't use those two words anymore yeah same I, here I, uh, we'll, we'll either power through and just keep
1: doing it or we'll find something else as long as we are discussing grax backstory uh he is uh thinking about returning the time that he returned to his home from the college uh not college Athenaeum. sorry and he's waiting for uh at the town outside of his mountain hole thing uh for someone to come pick him up and he's eating a roll there in a gas station or restaurant or something and he's thinking as he's eating this roll morosely that this is the last good food he's going to eat uh, until he goes back to his hometown and they're going to eat nothing but there and their care in there and he may never eat good food again in his life and if he does it's only going to be you know maybe once or twice a year and like just his entire description of going back there was so depressing that it, it literally sounded like going back to prison for the rest of your life voluntarily and i was i was just like there's no wonder he left like he just reading through the
0: first few paragraphs of this i like this is awful i don't want to do this i would go too yeah it's funny like i think smallville is supposed to be like quaint and you're supposed to have some like whatever not nostalgia but i don't know you're not supposed to hate the idea of Smallville, right? Like Clark yeah. clearly doesn't. Smallville's um, a nice place, just small. Right. That's that's the thing, though. I liked that in Metropolitan man. How is Smallville? And he says small, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. But he he's supposed to like that. But if if you're if you're a normal person and not an alien in disguise, then like, and I'm I'm generalizing, but many people, if they go out and spend a spend a, a decade in the big city, and then it's like, all right, you get to go back to your your population two thousand little hamlet you know for the next 75 years you're like oh man i missed like having 2500 people live on my block you know um
1: yeah well there's there's people that would like that there's people that would miss it but at least in smallville you still have different kinds of things to eat and more than one type of music or whatever and here it's just like
0: you get gruel you get bland tasteless gruel for the rest of your life which you know he could be fine with but he's grown accustomed to the big cosmopolitan life and he can't stand the idea of going back to smallville because mm-hmm, this exact. is this is even smaller than smallville
1: yeah, yeah. this is hole in the mountainville, <laughs> and it sounds like a drag <laughs> yes it does all right. uh, although we are all getting it from from his perspective maybe someone who loved it there would tell us how great everything is and what a nice sense of community it is that you know everybody and that you're a clone of everyone else and all that
0: yeah i can imagine Greg in you know another mood describing that really well um mm-hmm. It's just that's not where he's at anymore. He spent a decade yeah. away, and I'm not sure how old he actually is. Uh, he, I don't know. He might have left when he was a teenager or in his early 20s or something. Uh, I would imagine around the same age that most people in the U.S. go to college, so probably late teens. I wasn't sure if dwarves lived like as long as people, or like twice as long, or something, or how yeah. long their stuff was. But yeah, let's 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 guess that he's about 30, which would have put him about 20 when he left. Basically, what I'm getting at is he spent. Probably something like the majority of his sapient life in the Mm -hmm. big city, you know, surrounded by multiculturalism and and a variety of stuff. And now he gets to go back to his little hole in the mountain. Yeah. 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 Poor crack.
1: So, in this hole in the mountain. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. In the hole in the mountain, there's a young dwarf, and this dwarf is on trial because he was on death watch for an older person who was dying of being old, and uh, he fell asleep. And the person died while he was old, and after a half hour, his soul was not bottled, so it went to hell. And, you know, that was that was just – I've been reading this book for 150 chapters or 130 chapters and however many months now, and it never quite occurred to me that, like, old people just kind of die in their sleep a lot. And if you know that you, you're probably going to get old, you're, you're going to be dying just in your sleep – you need people to watch over you and make sure you don't go to hell. And that is, I mean, it's a it's a logical it's a logical extension of the premise, but it never quite occurred to me. And I think this is one of the things that I like about Radfic that it does like take things all the way through and plan out the world with those. And I mean, not just Radfic. Honestly, any good piece of fiction is going to do this kind of thing, but a lot of fiction just isn't that good. And Radfic places like A premium on it it's if you are trying to write rat and you don't do this you're doing it wrong whereas if you're writing normal fiction you can get away with not doing that and people don't care too much so it it you know it places more emphasis on it but i just thought that was that was a really cool detail and oh boy that that really sucks for both the dead person and the kid
0: yeah, it I agree. It was a great world-building bit and a huge whoopsie daisy on the the young guy's part. Um <laughs> understatement of the year. It's interesting. I can't remember if like the person who was watching was sick or if they were if they were old, but like, you know, how long are you old until you die of being old? Like it can be years, right? So is it somebody's job to watch you sleep every night for like the last 5 years of your life? Um It's think,
1: possible, but having known one old person who died of old age now, um apparently if you've seen it happen a few times like you can tell when they're on the decline
0: and they're in their final weeks or final months. That's true. Um, And, and you're right. I, I, I guess what I was getting at is I suspect that maybe it's just something to do with dwarfism or dwarf culture or this dwarfs, you know, this, this particular subsect, whatever um, that I I would think that what you might do if you're getting up there is like, all right, you know what? I am suddenly old. I don't want to risk, you know, falling down the stairs when no one's home. I'm going to kill myself and you can put, you can put my jar, my soul in a jar, right? Seriously. Um, It's better to lose those last few sick months than to risk going to hell forever. hundred percent. Yeah. So I imagine that's also a norm out there where, you know, Oh yeah. When they, when they get old enough, when they get past a certain age, they just, you know, like that episode of Futurama, the, well, in that one, the robots came to come carry off the old people, but, uh, this would be more voluntary. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, the The punishment for falling asleep while on death watch is to well, hey, what what, what happened as a consequence of your actions? Somebody been to hell, so I guess eye for an eye is the the, the typical strategy. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, holy shit! I think that the penalty is way too severe. Um, I get the desire for revenge, but don't you think? I don't my my preferred alternative if they want like a really extreme punishment. It's like, okay, you're indentured servants to the deceased's family for the rest of your life or something, or for 50 years or whatever, right?
1: Yeah, I'm of, like, I'm of two minds. If I was just a citizen in this society, I would absolutely want the punishment to be, you get executed and sent to hell. Because I want it to be a really big fucking deal if someone lets my soul go to hell. And also if I know that someone I love is in hell now for eternity. Like, my God, there is no way to make up for that. I just... I would be burning with with revenge lust and wanting them people to do that, too. So I'm totally on their side. But if someone were to ask me as like a leader of this community, what are you going to do? Like, no, obviously, the law should not be to remove one of the productive members of our society that that weakens us greatly. Like, do something like you said, make him an indentured servant for life, because then at least the community still has their their economic output and then their uh their family members aren't aren't quite so emotionally harmed and possibly going to be seeking revenge like don't don't
0: execute people unless you can just absolutely not avoid it so so yeah those are two very different takes i i like that i also like that one of them is just from like the community leader standpoint which isn't Mm what i'd considered i was just thinking as a matter of fairness like there's literally nothing literally nothing, I think, that warrants the punishment of being tortured for literally forever. Yeah. Um, you know, something that could be could warrant a theoretical 10,000 years or something, but since you don't get to pick, it's it's all or nothing. It's yeah. like, no, all right, the rest of your life sucks, and then we'll throw you in a jar because we're not total assholes. Yeah. But. It is interesting that dwarves, at least, seem to have this this custom of,
1: or at least on the books, this there's this law, whereas uh, a, the Empire of Common Cause... Apparently, from what we've seen anyway, bottled absolutely everyone, no matter how horrendous they were. They, uh, they, they seem to be more on your side, where there's nothing that is worth uh,
0: sending people to hell for. Well, there's the interesting bit there too, in that um, the Empire powers their cars and you know batteries and whatever motorcycles with with souls. Mm-hmm. So yes, while they might be losing a productive member of society, they're gaining a uh, a charged battery. <laughs> which they can use to power the the community right yeah but they can import those with the from the embryo soul farms right yeah i suppose yeah i guess you're right but as long as you've got some you know nearby uh yeah
1: but yeah Why it is, is we, interesting what
0: we got yeah maybe the empire took a hard left from their the awesome amount of people they sent straight to hell back in the second <laughs> empire oh god yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so despite like all this talking that we're doing about it, uh, when Grac is thinking about this trial, he, he can't even get himself to care about it. He said it was all so small and pointless. And that just like, it really drove home to me how completely divorced he is from his community. Like he doesn't care about this. This doesn't matter in the grand scheme of anything. And that's just, he is really not a, not a dwarf of the holes anymore.
0: Yeah. You tiny people in your tiny problems. Exactly. I, you know, it's tough you go to the city you, you get a bigger perspective and then suddenly it's like oh yeah you're you're back to your backbreaking labor in the in the pits it's like ah i think i, I think i don't like this anymore <laughs> yeah um, right. i just had to pull this out cuz for whatever reason you know if this is June's recollection of cracks story or whatever point of view this is from the line, dwarves weren't much for pleasantries, preferring a blunt approach to conversation to the point that other cultures might consider it rude. <laughs> it's like, yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> We've known for 100 chapters. But I'm glad that, you know, this is kind of, I'm, I'm picturing this as you know, June after his adventure, putting all this book together and Gra could be consulted on this or his mental model of Gra could be consulted and he's like, yeah, no, this, this is a standalone kind of excerpt from greg's life it needs to be explained in context and also this is taking place like this is from greg's pov
1: as he's coming back from 10 years on the surface world and so like maybe this is his his reminder that dwarven culture is so different from uh from non-dwarven culture that it sticks out again and so it was put in here
0: yeah that's a good point because i can't remember what the full quote was but it was like they're not much for pleasantries so like probably no one asked like hey how was school they're just like dinner's already or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and It's like, I've been gone for 10 years, but no one's going to ask how I am. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. I'm used, I am used. spent the last 10 years where people to ask how your day was, but fuck me, I guess. Yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> like, okay, I guess right. Dwarves, that's right. I guess I forgot. Hmm, okay. Oh, man. Yeah. He
1: meets up with his dad again, and I just had to pull out this line. It said, with Grax, uh, Grax, since they're clones, looks just like his father, except his father having an extra 25 years of age etched on his face. Which, you know, means that he had his son when he was 25, and boy, I'm a lot older than 25 now, and I, I, th- I don't have a kid, and I thought about that, like, it still blows my mind that my parents had their kids, me and my sister, when they were like in their early 20s, mid-early 20s. When my dad was my current age, I was moving out of the house. Like, I can't even imagine having raised some snot nosed kid for 18, 19 years now and then having him like moving out of my home. Like, what the, what even is that? That's crazy thinking. I could, I could maybe get started now having a kid, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, people do. Uh, It is interesting though. Yeah. People just had kids younger back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I, had a friend or well, have a friend who uh it, it's interesting like both my parents smoked and i think that added some years to their like faces mm-hmm. but that was like always my model of how old people looked at you know as parents when i'm this old right yeah um i so my friends i don't know for whatever reason they breed young and uh it it confused me because his parents were like i don't know in their i don't know they had him when he was like 20 so however old we were right okay and they were like 10 years younger than my parents. Um, yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah, no, I guess that's some people do that. And it's, uh, I don't know. It used know. to be pretty darn common. Yeah. His, his grandparents were like a few years older than my parents. Damn. Yeah. 25. That was that was old maid, you know, 70 years ago, right? Absolutely. Ugh. So, Greg's father kind of um,
1: accuses him, although without accusatory tone, but you can kind of tell it is. Uh, that He says, you did not wish to return. And... Gregg is thinking it shouldn't matter what he wanted, only what he was doing. Action was more important than thought. And I think, you know, he's right. That's that's true. Action is more important than thought. But the way he says it also implies that thought isn't important. And I think thought actually is pretty darn important as well. Uh, sometimes people like just have this air about them that like, well, what I'm doing
0: is the important part. And yeah, that is the important part. But the thinking matters too, man. yeah. I think that there's that, that line about, um, you know, actions speak louder than words, actions and words speak louder than thoughts. Um, yeah. so, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. It's interesting. You know, I, I don't think they just think that they're not important because this is a beat that comes up later on too. It's kind of interesting. Um, twice in one reading anyway, but yeah, I think Grax's thinking is just like, you know, so his dad was like, you know, you didn't want to come home and he's like, yeah, so I'm here. Aren't I like, yeah. So I, I get Kind of where he's coming from, um, but yeah it's it's uh maybe it's partly overemphasized in Dwarver's culture or something, yeah, well, I mean he's here, but if you're gonna be there and you're constantly
1: gonna be resentful and unhappy about it, well, first of all, that's gonna affect everyone else around you negatively, and second of all, you may not be there for very long, which turns out to be you know very much the case with brack, yeah, that's true yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, in his mind, he keeps going over the idea this is all he would ever have. And I saw that, and I was like, I totally would have run to, Gregg.
0: Yeah, I forget if he had that thought before or after. Like, he does have a—I uh, think he hooks up with his arranged spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, the other dwarfs not into it. He's not super into it. And it's like, okay, yeah, this fucking sucks. And, yeah, arranged marriages are a drag. Um, I think Gregg got used to the more liberal norms than, like, Dural Idrid. Did I say that right? Durali Idrid. Wait, Durali. I don't know. Whatever. Dwarf Town. Yeah. Um, I give it two serious tries. Then I can tell the name to go fuck itself. Um, it's translated as Gold Hole, so we can just call it Gold Hole. Perfect. <laughs> um, anyway, the the last line of this this section was, it was six months later as he was sitting at a cafe in Juna eating breakfast, they learned what had happened. Yeah. And it you know, cause that's its own paragraph. I, I don't know. It's it's one of those subtle things with writing that like, it's a great it m- beat to end that on and it's tragic and awful and all that, but it hits everything really solidly. Yeah. And it was a really good way to hit that. Yeah. And there's something just about like the banality of his departure that makes it kind of more tragic or at least mm-hmm. more something. So th- he leaves by sneaking out in the middle of the night and he grabs one of his trunks and he just takes the elevator and leaves. Like he doesn't tell anybody It's not after he, you know, has a shouting match with his dad about, no, this is my future or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. He just kind of politely nopes the fuck out of there. And it's, I don't know, if he had left after a big huff, I could see where that'd be more and less room for him to blame himself. Um, Mm. You know, because he could convince himself, no, my dad, you know, yelled at me and basically chased me out of there or something, right? Right. But the other thing is that, you know, if he had said, no, fuck this, I'm out, he might have shouted goodbye to some people. Yeah. As it was, he didn't do any of that because there was no, you know, he presumably thought he was going to visit once in a while. Yeah. He was just yeah. gone. So that's a drag. That is. Yeah. But we cut to uh, the the gang currently um, showing up at Gold Hole. I think they took the spaceship and they're wearing breathing masks uh, to like or whatever for oxygen. Mm hmm. Bizarrely, June mentions a few times how he can smell how, like, rank the air is and, like, smell the corpses. I'm like, you should not be able to smell the room that you're trying to not breathe the poison in. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of surprised I didn't, you know, kick somebody or, you know, turn out to be a, a kick in the, uh, I don't know, turn out to be anything. But maybe the smell was more powerful than the poison. Maybe it wasn't poisonous anymore, but not important. Right. What was important was that um, Val is here and June nonchalantly thinks about like, Oh yeah, she's got some devil in her probably to parse what Gr- crack is saying in groglier. Mm-hmm. And I just called that out. Cause as I suspected the moratorium on not eating devils in front of June is restricted to leisure time at home. Yes. Yeah. This, this was, I think the sensible interpretation and I don't really blame June for not spelling it out in the heat of the moment during the funeral. Mm-hmm. He was, he just said, don't wear a, you know, never look at me with the devil in your eyes or we'll never talk again. Yeah. Um, and I, I took it to mean, you know, barring the reasonable exceptions, such as combat uh, yeah. or, you know, quests. But yeah, not when you're sitting around at home talking with me. You know, then I'm talking, I want to talk with you, not literally Satan. Uh, there's, there's a possible reading where he's thinking that like, you know, unless she is lying and wearing a devil right now, but he doesn't say that. No, and later he does say that if he screws up trying to talk Grack out of his sense, his uh, suicidal ideation, then uh, he can lean back on Val. Yeah. Uh, so he clearly knows that she and seems okay with leaning on her her skills there. Yeah. That um, when when shit is serious business, the devils can come out again. Totally. And there wasn't much you know to dive into on this one. I just he he was thinking about like walking past all the corpses and stuff and thinking about Greg's backstory. He's like, man, it, it sucked that this was the way, you know, things shook out and he's trying to think that sucks just seemed like it was underselling it. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, yeah, man, sometimes things just straight up suck. And it's nice when, you know, if you're talking to somebody or I don't know, I think, and I'm sure it's, you know, a a term, but I hadn't heard it before, but Rachel told me about a term called a toxic positivity. Oh, Uh, which isn't just like Ted Lasso. It's like where someone's like, oh man, this really sucks. It's like, yeah, but you know, isn't there like a lesson in that? Or isn't this, you know, positive in this way? Like they yeah. need, like constant looking for silver linings. And it's like, no, I just want to say this sucks. And you can say it sucks. Um, God
1: has a plan.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Um, I, okay. quick, shout assuming... out for, quick shout out for Ted Lasso. If you haven't seen that who? show, I have not. What is Ted Lasso? Who, who is that? Oh, it's delightful. Uh, it's, tv's first manic pixie dream dad um, oh neat it's it's uh i'll send you the the honest trailer for it but if you you like you like brooklyn 99 where it was like wholesome and and fun this is that oh then yeah that would be great it's it's got some emotional heaviness to it but it's really really good so i'm glad there's someone picking up
1: the uh the mantle that uh parks and rec and brooklyn 99 have left behind
0: yeah there's good does a positive shows oh yeah i was telling my coworkers as. Or a manager of what I that has started that show, and he's like, "Oh, nice! I'm doing the opposite. I'm watching Squid Games." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, hmm. kind of different." Lower decks has actually been pretty fun because you know it already has the Star Trek
1: human optimism thing going, plus it's a comedy on top of that. So yeah, it's great. Nice. I can dig yeah. it. Uh back to the thing. Ah, yes. Yeah, oh. Brax starts taking the gold out of the glove and putting it in in a pile on the ground.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this because uh, it says that there. are the, there were heavy bars, each one weighing twenty pounds, fifty in total. And I remembered how small a go- a twenty pound gold bar was. Mm. Um I saw some TV challenge show or something, and people were trying to lift one at an odd angle. It doesn't matter. Point is it's not that big. Um uh, so I Googled the density of, of gold and this thousand pounds, I think, would be like a little under a square foot or a cubic foot.
1: That's not very big. A cubic that's not very big at all.
0: No. Um I I did try to find like the right conversion for it and I think that that's cubic inches and not uh like well if, if it was cubic centimeters if if that's cubic meters and not cubic inches then I'm way off but I'm pretty sure it's cubic inches about 14.35 cubic inches and I think that I was trying to find like an approximation and that's like about 6 gallons of milk shoved into one cube it's it's pretty small I guess you know metal metal is heavy it and it's it's a dense metal too yeah yeah so i mean it's like you think of it as like and then i sent you uh this smbc that i just saw this week um where like the knight pillages the dragon's lair and it's like wait that's your horde and it's like a very modest it's probably twice the size of grax pile right Mm -hmm. and the dragon's like that's actually a lot of money He's like yeah i just thought it would like look grander (laughs) (laughs) it's like like the, the amount of money that was like in smaug's uh whatever the lonely mountain right Oh, Jesus. Like, yeah. That had to have been enough money to, like, fund the entire continent for, like, several centuries. Um, and he's just swimming in it. Yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> it's... It, there. That may be more gold than
1: than there is on Earth, possibly. I don't know. Our our gold-extracting technology has gotten a lot better, so uh, maybe it has come quite a ways. But that the amount of gold in Smogsword is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's... It
0: makes you wonder where he got it all.
1: Yeah, I, I do know. I do remember hearing that. Um, in this was back when I was doing my my research for the Rome novel. That uh, around the time of the Roman Empire, the entirety of all the gold mined so far in human history uh, would be about ten cubic feet. So a, a cube of solid
0: gold, ten feet per side. Uh, so that put it at about ten thousand pounds. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, if I'm right, hearing that a thousand pounds is roughly a cubic foot. Um.
1: No, because ten ten to a side. Oh, ten to a side. Right. Yeah, it's not ten cubic feet. That's I guess uh, a
0: thousand cubic feet. Okay, that's huge. I, I said it wrong, but you Wait, know, a still, thousand cubic feet. That still sounds like too much. You know what? We'll figure. Someone tell us how much gold weighs later.
1: um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, a cube that's ten feet to a side is is small enough to
0: fit in most people's living rooms. That's true. Um. Yeah, that's the, It's funny to think about, right? Yeah, yeah. This uh, you could. It's smaller than the average car, and like this is this is the sum of all human gold up until this mm-hmm. point in human history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, gold's heavy. Yes, it is. Uh, all right. So, Gr- speaking of heavy stuff, man. Ooh. Grack begins his ritual and he asks everyone except for June to leave. And then when June starts talking about his grandfather in hospice, I was kind of curious what Angley is going to take with it. Yeah, um, I didn't know. It all felt like you had a plan. I just, I had. It painted a really good scene, even though I couldn't yeah, describe like the, I could describe the atmosphere, but I couldn't describe like the the environment, like just the horror and the kind of like
1: horrified outrage that I felt for what his grandpa was going through was, that was awful.
0: Oh yeah, no, June's painting a good picture too. I just meant that Alexander is painting a good picture with this scene. Like everyone leaves and June just starts talking. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it's like, okay, he's clearly going somewhere because this is all way more coherent than like off the cuff June. Mm-hmm. Um, but June you know, thought about this beforehand. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, yeah, his grandfather was, was dying in hospice and wanted to die. But I guess he either legally wasn't allowed to, or his family wouldn't do it or something. And June thought about doing it, but he was like 10. And so he says, I didn't actually do it because I was only 10 years old, but it always stuck with me. This feeling that you should be allowed to die if you really want to do. Mm-hmm. And So that's at the point I was like, "Oh, that's where he's taking this conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is going to be quite the tightrope to walk with Crack in his mindset, which is actually probably the right approach. I think so. I I think validating the idea that like
1: there's nothing worse than someone saying that you you shouldn't do that when you are in that amount of of pain and despair because like fuck you, I you don't know what I'm going through, you know. So telling someone, yeah, I understand, and it is terrible. And people should have the right to end it if they really, if they really feel it's what they really want, what they have to do. Like, at least then you can start the conversation on the same footing.
0: Yeah. It's just, it, it's the, it's the, the element of, of validating Gregg's decision before bringing him around to not doing it. Yeah. 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 So if you could talk him out of it from like the outside, uh, yeah, I'm sure he would have tried, he would have, if he could have, if that was the way he thought he could do it. Right.
1: You're right. Well, but I mean like, like, I don't think he's like,
0: nah, I've been on the inside. Let's let's go about it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think you could. You you have to first
1: relate to people and let them know that, you know, you aren't just some moralizing asshole with a bible. You're you're someone who actually knows what they're feeling and and relates. Yeah. Well June June can relate pretty hard here. He can. He tells Grac about the time that he was going to kill himself. And uh he attempted to do this was like an interesting suicide method to uh, lean out when a train is passing by and just let it smash his head uh, because he figured that would be pretty much an instant death. Uh, but when he went to do it, he he literally like could not make himself do it. Uh, his body locked up and his brain was like, nope, no, you're not going to do that because that is a fucking giant beast that's going to kill me. And I have some firm opinions about being <laughs> hunted by a beast. Uh, and then the train just went by. And I mean, when I first read this, it was really hard to imagine, like just not being able to, to wanting to move your body and then not being able to do it. But like, I guess, I guess I can see it. And I mean, I've had the opposite happen where I've wanted my body to not do something and it was doing the thing anyway, which really God the These feeling of not erections. being in control of your body well i wasn't thinking about erections although that now that you mentioned it too <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah when, when you're not in control of your body it's just the worst thing and you know i i guess i can see that and wow that just the whole the whole thing was well done and quite a trip and also made me think that like maybe that's why gun suicides tend to be more successful um i mean in addition to guns being extremely good at what they're uh what they're designed to do that that there was no like Evolutionary, this is a dangerous thing. I must stay away from it instincts like you would have with if you're trying to jump in front of a train,
0: yeah, our ancestral neural network didn't get trained on guns um yeah I you know people jump off of stuff, and there's definitely a <laughs> whatever if if you don't like an you know evo psych um there's definitely uh an ancestral neural architecture that's trained on the dangers of gravity, right.
1: Um, right, I think there's something different about like jumping versus falling because I have uh, read from a few survivors' accounts that the second they started falling, they instantly regretted everything and wanted nothing but to not be falling at that moment. Hmm. Which I think just that that is uh, after reading that, I was like, well, I guess that is not the correct way to go out if you're going to do it, then because you don't want your last few seconds to be like this was a mistake and I'm an absolute terror kind of moments.
0: Well, I mean that's that that kind of brings you around to where where June's at here. He says that was the most scared I've ever been, even with all the shit that's happened here. It yeah. turns it turns out that there was a part of me that wanted to live. After all, I think that's true mm-hmm. for most people in the situation, mm-hmm. and I think he's right. Uh, fortunately, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but uh, you know, I, to me, I think it's telling. You know, if if people who jump when they're falling and they're like, "Oh shit, I regret doing this." The, the lesson shouldn't be, well, I should try another way of doing it. The lesson should be, oh, it looks like I don't want to die. Um, I mean, and maybe. Granted, I, I, I get it. Yeah. That, that's not how your mind is working if you're in that situation. Um, yeah. May, maybe, you know, distantly and intellectually you can acknowledge that, but you're like, yeah, so, whatever. Um, right. I, I think most people in those circumstances don't, like, necessarily want to die. They just, they hate their life and aspects of it, including their psychology and what their brain is doing to them. And you know that that's kind of the thing that you know. How is that different from wanting to die, though? There's some, and it, granted, my my depression's always been super mild compared to like really extreme cases. But I was always at the point, or rather, I always had the like fixation point that no matter how bad it got, like, well, this will eventually be a solvable problem. I can just write it out, right? Okay. Um. So
1: I, I remember my my one of my comforts when I was really at my lowest was like if this gets so bad that I can't stand it anymore, well, at least I can just check out. I always have the option to kill myself. And that was like kind of comforting.
0: Yeah. I think for a lot of people and, you know, I, I second the se- sentiment that literally everyone on earth has that I'm glad that, you know, nothing ever came of that ideation. Um, right. But uh, where was I going with that? Um, oh yeah. I think that there, there's a a power, of, like, that, that authorship over, like, the ultimate decision in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, everything else is out of my hands. And maybe, you know, people feel that way for different reasons, but some level of it might be powerlessness. Um, and it's like, no, oh, yeah, okay, I can I can do the ultimate thing, right? Um, yeah. And to quote a friend, what are they going to do? Take away my birthday? Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, it's... Anyway, it, it's heavy stuff. Um, yeah. I can't remember where I was going with my long thought here. So let's just, uh, let's angle back into it. And so, so June was basically saying, yeah, it looks like I wanted to live after all. Oh, I guess there was one random thing he mentioned to Amaryllis. And I only bring this up because you mentioned in the notes, why did he spell the difference between like ideation attempts and something else? Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is why, cause he, he thought about it a lot. And then he like kind of tried when he took the LD 50 of whatever poison that he ended up just throwing up. Um, yeah. I and think then that's he like just legit full on tried. He took three times the LD fifty, and his body was
1: just like, "Nope, I'm throwing this shit up."
0: Oh no, yeah, I meant that he kind of tried it with the train. Um, oh okay. Which in in that he, I don't know, I'm not belittling his suffering, I, and, and I wouldn't do that to anybody who's ever you know attempted. But I what I'm saying is that uh, it's not like he jumped off a building and survived, right? Um, yeah. So he he took some pills that he you know had hoped would would do the job if the train didn't, um, and then he couldn't do the train bit. And then he went and sat in front of a police station with a rifle, you know, pointed down his throat for however long. I don't know why he did it at the police station. I guess he didn't want anyone to think that – he never elaborates. If I had to guess, uh, he didn't want anyone to be able to say that his family was responsible. Uh, that's Yeah, that's entirely possible. Make it very apparent that this was a suicide. Maybe also make it so that the person who found his body isn't a loved one. Oh, that's a really good point, too. Yeah, smart. Um Smart of you to think that, I guess smart of him to feel that way. But anyway, sure. Glad it didn't work out. Uh, Yeah, me too. So he gives his, his backstory. And then again, not quite with like, um, making it clear where he's going with this. just kind of starts talking. Yeah. He
1: tells him about how the second empire used wards for execution, where they set up annihilation wards against skin and blood, and then put him on a train track and just drove trains full of people through these wards uh and they were they were instantly killed going through you know these annihilation wards at what 60 miles an hour or faster and then afterwards they would just dump the bodies and i was like that's holy fucking shit like they i that that's that's more than just nazis right there i guess i guess the nazis maybe would have done it or they could have i don't know they just 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 the whole you know yep you're on a death train boom you're dead now we're taking your bodies off it was so clinical and industrial and just monstrously fucked that very, very good horror scene, in my opinion.
0: I agree. And I think because I'm slow, um, I didn't pick up exactly where he was going with that just yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, first off, that is horrifying. Uh, it's like, you know, fast pass train straight to hell. Because um, they're not collecting these souls either, right? Yeah. Well, so, I, don't, I don't know, maybe, but I would assume not. I think if they're annihilating the skin and bone, I'm not sure what you would stick the, uh, uh, or what kind of words was it? Uh, skin and blood. Skin and blood, um, yeah. I mean, so you just have a skeleton left. I don't know where you'd stick the needle thing to get the soul out. I, I mean, imagine you still have the rest of the flesh, just not the skin? Ooh, gross. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, maybe they got the souls, maybe they didn't. But, um, yeah, that's fucked. But, anyway, so after he tells that, Grack sits down and starts to cry. And I was like, oh, oh, I fucking get it. I'm slow. Uh, um, yeah. That was his plan. And then... I mean, Remember, about it. remember
1: when just a few, I don't know, a few hundred words ago, he was talking about the death watch because if someone dies in the death watch and nobody's around to spike them, their soul goes to hell. Yeah. Well, um, everybody in, in Grax town is in hell. Cause no one was there to spike them. And it's kind of his fault. And like, it didn't click for me until he said I deserved eternal torture because that's what they got. That like, oh, holy fuck, it's not just that his whole town has died. It's that they're all in hell and being tortured forever, and it's kind of his
0: fault. And, like, that just made it even more brutal. I stand by my conviction that literally nothing warrants eternity an eternity of torment. Uh, Like, I'm not saying that in defense of crack. I'm just saying that in general, because the idea of eternal torture pisses me off. Uh, It... (laughs) I don't know how someone can square that circle with, you know, somebody, you know, the designer presumably caring about you and your safety and your well-being, right? Yeah. Um And it, it's an infuriating idea. Um, again, I, I, I think uh, it, you'd be hard-pressed to get me to concede to a case where, like, you know, a perfectly smart, loving, whatever parental figure could hit you in a form of punishment um, to torture you forever, Is just way too much. Um, But anyway, so I I bring that up because as horrifying as that is and how much I don't like the idea of that sort of retribution, I can't imagine what Grak's going through because I completely forgot about that angle. Um, Like that whole factor on, oh yeah, not only are they all dead, but they're all going to be tortured forever. And they're all going to remember, I guess, until they lose their minds that if only Grak hadn't left, right? Oh my God, yeah. And it's... And he knows that. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, man, that would multiply the guilt factor by, I think, infinity. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I get why he feels so bad. I I mean, I I, I say that, but I I can't. Um, On an intellectual level, you get it, though. Yeah, I can. My eyes glaze over the number of zeros when I multiply those numbers in my head. Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, he talks about how um, he set up the wards and he couldn't walk through it and then he's like okay so i set out to pay a penance and it was supposed to be impossible i thought i would die along the way and i think either june speculated about this or was it just us it's hard to say anymore. you know i don't remember now yeah i know we did at some point we
1: definitely did yes
0: yeah when when it looked like they're going to make all their money through like business and country stuff grac was like hold on i want to get paid more and Mm -hmm. he only relented when amaryllis said they'd fight a dragon (laughs)
1: Yeah, and then it was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Oh, yeah. In that case, yeah. as long as we're all going to die trying to do this.
0: You son of a bitch, I'm back in. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. But uh but they talk and and June convinces Grack to not give up on life. Uh keep trying, build yourself a
0: new life now. And Grack says, "Okay." Yeah. It's it's intense. I mean, I don't, you know, luckily none of us have ever gone through what Grax gone through. Um, yeah. You know, even if you're responsible for a death, like, it's at least you're not responsible for 2,500 people being tortured forever. But uh, at least until you and your your new friend here can kick the gates of hell in. But um, right. it's, uh, I guess what you do is, you know, you just, okay, yeah, I'll carry that as part of my life and just keep going, right? Mm-hmm. And no, you can't undo that bad, but you can try and put more good into the world. You know, God,
1: that's going to be a lot of good
0: they got to kind of put into the world. Well, I don't, I don't think that you can do it, especially since it's we're literally talking about infinities here. Like he can't do it with the goal of trying to outweigh the bad that happened. He can just say, "I'm going to just try and put more good out," right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like I might be, I might be a you know ten billion dollars in debt, but I'm going to try. And I'm going to pick up every dollar I can, right? And you know.
1: He technically might have a chance to make up for it if he does help June become
0: literal God. True. But I maintain that if, even if he wasn't friends with possibly God, then it would still be worth it for him to go forth and try to yeah. live a life, right? Yeah, exactly,
1: right? Yeah. Because you can still use the rest of your life to be a net positive, whereas if you were to die now, your total life would be a much bigger net negative.
0: I Like I said, I think I'm less concerned even with the net values. It's just that, I mean... Because no matter like, what he does, even if you would,
1: even if you would never get it to net positive by spending the rest of your life trying to do good, you could me make the net negative of your, lo- of your life less than if you were to stop right now.
0: Yeah, that's that's a better way of thinking about it. Um, at least closer to us getting it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's intense, and luckily the this is the end of the book, and I think this is a good good moment on it. Um, mm-hmm. and it ends on a, on a positive note, kind of. I mean, yeah. it ends on a fun thing. He gets uh, his companion quest completed, and
1: companion quests come with absolutely massively OP uh, powers for the companions, apparently. At least this one that we've seen, and I'm assuming all the companion quests have something awesome like this, because these these aren't easy quests. These are big, involved, and, you know, very pertinent to the storyline. So uh, now Grack is wardproof. He can ignore wards that would apply to him, selectively ignore them. And anything that he cares or carries or wears and up to one other person can also ignore those wards. It automatically activates when the ward would be undesirable and can
0: be selectively applied to any word he chooses. So, you know, like how um, Val was like insanely overpowered in that hotel room because she all mm-hmm. she had to do was run to the bathroom and anyone who chased her would be blown to smithereens. Mm-hmm. Now Grat can just do that wherever he wants.
1: Yep. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. It's it's insanely cool. Yeah yes yeah. and so much of the world depends on wards since they are presumably you know unbypassable maybe maybe like a, a very advanced ward break uh warder can break them or warp them or whatever but they're, they're hugely important and being just to
0: be able to walk through those is awesome yeah i didn't even think about that i was thinking in terms of self-defense you know he sets up his own murdered bedroom and then just you know is safe in there mm-hmm. um but you're right any place that you know, like, they were careful walking up Amund's Tower. It's like, no, I can just walk through this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, there were... And plus one other person. So, you know, if they're at a door with wards, he... Like, all right, Fen. He holds her hand, walks her through. Then he walks back, gets June, and walks back in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. I Wards aren't a deal for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's just... That's wild. Uh, um, no worries, mate. Yeah. But it is interesting. We only have one other companion quest um, for the druid. Yes. And I can already guess what what perk they're going to get when they finish that quest. What uh, is the perk? Uh, the the doe's going to become a, a hot young lady. Okay, you
1: know what? I am just leaning into this from now on. He is going to fuck the shit out of that doe. And even if she becomes a hot young lady, she's not becoming a human lady. She's going to become like an anthropomorphic sort of doe lady with some antler still or something so that uh, he gets to fuck like a hot furry chick. So June, June is furry flexible now. This but- is my...
0: My 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 head cannon. She'll have handlebars. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Yeah. Hey, you're the one talking about you know banging an animal. I'm just saying. i uh, um, no, no. I'm I'm talking about banging a furry. Very different. <laughs> well, I, I there's no way that the doe's is going to stay a. I mean, maybe I don't know. I, I like the doe a lot, but it's not much of a character. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, one bit of a uh, sad speculation, and then one bit of fun speculation the only other companion quest we had other than the, the locusts was fens. Yeah. Um, you know, so we don't have them for every other companion. So he's got six right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know because the, like even the little soul line off of his soul is gone. I wonder if that seventh slot is open again.
1: If, if you were the creator of this game, would you make it so that if a companion is lost, it could be filled with
0: a different companion. It depends on what I'm doing the game for. I mean, you're doing it for June. Right. But I don't know what I'm doing to June. Um, I, I think that showing him that yes, you can, you know, you can find new people when other, when some people leave your life forever. Mm-hmm. Like if that's what I'm trying to teach him, then hell yes. Okay. Um, if I'm trying to say like, you know, when you lose, you lose hard and consequences are forever then no. Um, uh, okay. But it, it's, I, I, I don't know where the DM is coming from on it. Um, yeah. so, all right, we've got his six and maybe more companions eventually. Um, I was, trying to, I was wondering what Fen's perk would have been.
1: I imagine it would have been something to do with uh, being able to to be
0: considered like elf perfect or whatever, where all her scar magic works again. Oh, that's way more generous and powerful and probably cr- closer to right than my guess was. What was your guess? Basically like gun foo, but with bows. <laughs> oh, okay. Like she can curve arrows around corners if she's spinning and, you know, all the other insane shit that you can do in movies. Oh, that'd be um, cool too. But I mean that's that's just a cool bow, you're right, like Grag suddenly became you know like he has a power hitherto undreamt of of anyone on Arab, right? Mhm, so let's give Fen something similar, like yeah, you're not an elf who has elf powers, high yeah. five, yeah, yeah,
1: honestly, I'm not sure if that's enough, but it would be at very least very appropriate for her to have her her scar powers recovered, that she's no longer this damaged thing,
0: yeah. I wonder what else we could add on top of that. We'll speculate more later, maybe. Um, yeah. All right. This chapter ended with a special note from the author, and this answered what I was noticing at the top of the chapter, that the first half was written in uh, like, gendered speak, not in Grogglier. Mm-hmm. And it says, if you go on a version of this. the first half of this chapter that uses those, the non-gendered groglier it's available here, and there's a link. This is more true to Gregg's internal understanding of da's self, but it gets in the way of storytelling parenthetically in my opinion mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, so I like I'm wondering if in my opinion is Alexander Wales or june's opinion is this is this oh. Alexander talking to us, or is this June talking to us
1: uh well, having published things on uh archive of our own before. These things are referred to as author's notes. I know. And yes, yeah, so I read your rationality.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
1: Cool. Also, in that case, I would assume that it's Alexander Wales's notes since it's
0: the author notes. But this is a meta story. Mm, very true. So June could just be talking to us directly, like, hey, I thought this made more sense. Yeah. Like I said, it was uh, a fun, fun piece of speculation, not one that I think is at all serious. Okay. But I wanted some levity after the Fenn consideration there. So. Gotcha. So this is the end
1: of book six. Uh, Before we go on, I was wondering, did you want to do a little mini retro? Because I
0: kind of wanted to do a little mini retro. All right. So we're going to take a a week off. We're going to do a retro episode next week, everybody. Stay tuned. What? No. I mean, just like a little mini retro right here. Oh, I know. I just remembered seeing somewhere that – oh, I remember. It was on the notes when I was doing the the retro. That was a lot of fun and worthwhile for Mm -hmm. uh, Shaping Exercises 101. There was a cutout from a clip from – whatever discord of, of Wes saying, I hate retros. I don't know why people keep doing them. <laughs> and <laughs> because it's fun and you know, taking a look back on stuff is valuable. Yeah. Um, anyway. So that was me just pretending to freak everyone out. So. Okay. Gotcha. Damn it. I'm sorry. I should have played along. No, no, you're good. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, no, I like the, I guess I had two things I want to say, but the first one being in, in the whole retrospective idea, like when we started out this book, they were basically content. They were hanging around inside Bethel, uh june had a good life he had a lover that he was really into um and they were just sort of shiftless layabouts right they're like yeah life is good Uh, maybe maybe we don't want to pursue quests and uh and you know risk our lives for for things anymore let's take a break and and just enjoy the good stuff and uh now at the end here he is like driven like more driven than i think we've seen him since the very early chapters and even then it was the early chapters was a lot of it was I just need to survive what's going on. Now he's like, I want to make life better for my companions. Uh, Social is important to me. I want to understand them and help them. And, importantly, I am going after these quests now. uh, These companion quests and my personal quests because I want to level up and I want to finish this. Like, he is at last a, a person with a goal in life and a mission. And it was just, it was a really impressive change over the course of this chapter. And, like, Honestly, one that like I tracked the whole time. It felt completely natural and real to me that June would have come from where he was to where he is now due to the things that have happened along the way.
0: I yeah. don't know. What did you think? No, I agree. I can't remember. I'm trying to find when Book 5 started.
1: Uh, book 5 started just before the Shia LaBeouf thing when they're all just kind of hanging out and be like, what do you want to do? And like, I don't know. I'd like to just hang out and have fun times oh, and not go questing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, that's right. Man, that was a long time ago. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. Um, it's a tonal shift and honestly, probably more prominent than like any of the other books from like book to book. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if we're going to kind of keep this, this attitude going forward, right? Yeah. It's less about like June having his adventure in this video game land and like, okay, I'm going to try and help all my friends and, you know, save the world kind of thing. Right. It
1: it feels like he's taking on responsibility and growing in maturity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no,
1: I'm super into it. I don't know. I get, uh, I am too, honestly. Uh, when I say, I don't know, I mean, um, I hate to say this, but it sort of feels like being content is bad for doing things and and people need to be, you know, hurting and unhappy in order to be motivated to do stuff. Am I wrong about this? Is, just, is this just the Puritan work ethic that has been drilled into me uh, rising to the surface again? Because he wasn't doing much of anything back when he was happy at the beginning here. It wasn't until he got miserable that uh, things started changing and he started saying, all right, fuck this shit. Let's make this, let's change things. I don't think he
0: was miserable when he came back from the library. Well, I mean, he lost Fen and But he lost he's... her before that. And I, I don't think that his, his helping his friends is just coping with that. I think that he found another source of motivation. Um, what do you think that is, the motivation? I'm trying for to friends? articulate it. But I like in my mind, I'm trying to articulate it. I'm not I'm not there yet. I was just thinking about like, you're absolutely right. I think content contentment uh, can be um, a a blocker for progress and striving to achieve something, right? Uh,
1: Maybe he, he felt both content and safe. And now he doesn't feel safe anymore. And he
0: wants to make things safe for the people he loves. It could be that. I, I think there's a positive way to fuel that fire, but I'm not sure what it is. Cause I don't know if I have it. I do know that in my like early twenties, I did have this like, all right, I'm going to, you know, level up my life and do all these things. And I did some of them enough to where I got happy, but like, I wasn't done, mm-hmm. but I ended up very happy in a relationship. And I remember noticing the, like, this is slowing me down, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. Cause now you're happy. Yeah. But I wasn't I, unhappy I, when I was like, you know, chasing the the moon right Um, yeah it that was that was fun and invigorating uh totally it just so i think that there there can be fuels for this that aren't from a bad place of like safety concerns or um you know any sort of misery you know you can do it i think with a with pepping your step every day if your goal is like i'm going to save the world right you can i know west is going to be saving so yeah
1: yeah, I, I know Wes is going to yell at me for this because he likes being happy and he doesn't like you know hard work and striving and being unhappy. But I, I first, I think I first heard this um, as a a explanation for why sophomore albums from bands suck, uh, and how generally like artists' best work are when they first break out. And uh, it was something along the lines of, yeah, because. They're poor, they're unhappy, nobody notices them, life sucks, and all that is going into their art. And then, when people notice and they become huge, well, now they're successful. Now they have the admiration and respect of their peers, and a lot of money, and maybe they can afford therapy and food. And so, uh, now the art just isn't as good, because there isn't all that other stuff driving them anymore. And, you know, it's kind of a, a, a depressing way of looking at it, but seems to kind of be the case with humans...
0: At least somewhat. I think you can make make the case very strongly without even without even having to lean on musicians because I don't know much about any particular bands or anything, but I do know that there are bands that I've heard of that are years old and therefore making money on like just residuals from old CDs, you know, like Celine Dion, hmm. but she still puts out good music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's well past where she's had to work ever again, right? Yeah. She could sell a pair of shoes every month and live out the rest of her life on that, right? um you know uh um adele had a new album that just came out recently and it was it was good like so they still try right um so i think maybe at the beginning it's funny that you mentioned the food thing weird al i remember seeing something with him years ago and they asked him like why (laughs) were so many of your songs about food he was like like in the 80s it's like i was starving i was hungry i I hadn't made any money yet (laughs) i guess i I guess i had food on the brain a lot (laughs) (laughs) but no no i think that that uh discontent whether it arises from i don't know wanting a bigger car or a newer car or like you know literally not having enough food um mm-hmm. or safety whatever i do think that is that can be an immensely powerful motivator um yeah. and i so i don't i don't dispute that i just think that there are also positive ways to uh find that same fuel yeah i agree and i think this doesn't pertinent. seem to be quite as nitro laced what was that it just doesn't seem to be quite as nitro-laced. Like, uh, oh, you mean because if you're doing it for, like, positive reasons where you don't need to do it, then you can just stop. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. You can yeah. You can do the George R. R. Martin thing where you're like, you know what? I got so much money. I will write Winds of Winter after the next ten
0: football seasons. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> maybe, if I feel like it.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, my, my team did poorly this week, so I'm going to take out that frustration by writing another two pages in this in this book.
0: I got the frustration by torturing my fans for another year. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, I think you're you're right that if if it's not essential, then yeah, you give yourself license to stop. There's probably some middle ground because I don't feel like June is doing this from a place of like desperate motivation, but I also don't feel like he could like he will stop. No, I think at this point he like he
1: does feel like he wants to make the world good for his friends.
0: Yeah, which, you know, can be all the motivation he
1: needs. So. Yeah. And that a lot of this book was him learning that just because you have a house fortress and you are, you know, the new Uther, that doesn't mean the world is safe yet. You still got work to do if you want to get there.
0: Oh, it's a big world. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All Oh, Oh, I also had one other thing, which I had started to notice at about this point in the book, and it was really driven home by the fact that they left a thousand pounds of gold, uh, in, in, uh, gold hole i guess uh june has been uh, getting more and more powers on his side and we we talked already about the problem of becoming like superman where what obstacles can you face anymore once you get too powerful and this was even brought up in the text earlier that you start stripping away some of these person's powers like when june went solo he had his companions stripped away uh, when they got Valencia and she had the amazing devil social powers to read anybody and then Masters who they came across was one of the uh, Goron or Alon Gore or something, the people that can perfectly control all their body language and facial features so she couldn't read them at all. Hmm. So it took like away her, her ability to use their, that awesome power. And uh, like now he has Bethel who's this amazing fucking murder house, but she has the downside of not wanting to go anywhere. And so he has this amazing weapon that he can't use. But I'm thinking, if shit goes really bad and the world's about to explode, like, Bethel's probably going to show up for that. So he has this immense amount of power for a massive final conflict, but that isn't going to be making things along the way trivialized. And then I realized gold mages are Superman, and he now has a thousand pounds of gold in a location that he knows about that's just sitting there. And like, he's not Superman yet, but if they really needed to, I think Rack would be like, you know what, maybe you should get that gold and become Superman. And like, I'm getting the feeling we might start seeing more of these. He gets an amazing power. He gets to use it for an arc and then it is shelved somewhere and he can't use it until it needs to be busted out in the final confrontation or something.
0: I think that that's definitely like a a trend with um, like, whether it be animes or other stories that just can't decide when they want to end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, like his uh, spirit magic was you know immensely powerful, and then that plus his bone healing and the fairies, all that's great. I think it's less about taking away his powers and more just finding like circumstances that are believable where they don't matter. Um, yeah, like the the soul poison that they got. Right. You know, like okay, that that actually hits me on every level. Where now I can't just stop it, even with all my cool shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. The you know, as far as Bethel wanting to come to the final showdown, A, I'm not sure what the final showdown is going to look like, but I'm, I don't think it's going to be a matter of, like, we need bigger guns. Um, mm-hmm. It might be, but, you know, maybe there'll be a showdown, but the final one will be at the DM, and that's not going to be a matter of firepower. Okay. Um, the, I think she also, there was also a mention in the next chapter about how now that she's got um, the egress, she can fly. Yes. So if she feels oh like God. it, you know, she can she can stay a house. Uh, and you know she doesn't have to stop watching anyone pee or anything. She can she can keep (laughs) being a house and travel somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that sounds handy. Um, there was one more. I guess it's just the thing about the skills. Um, I can't think of anything that he's that he's had that like has been shelved where like it doesn't matter anymore. Like I'm I'm looking at the his character sheet on Stats for Nerds part or number two like well he
1: can every now and then like sacrifice a lot of skills to bump something up to 100 but it's getting harder and harder to do so he's going to be very reluctant to rely on it now
0: yeah yeah i just meant that like of the skills on here um you know some of them i guess we see used but they don't really do anything you know like we don't see him engineer that much stuff we don't see him at least explicitly in- invoke his level 20 analysis skills he hasn't done skin magic in a long time but it's not because, like, these powers were taken away from him. It's just that they don't – they're not needed right now. Yeah. But they're still sitting on the back burner. And, like, the moment that something comes up where, like, skin magic would be the solution, um, there will be some workaround where it's like, oh, but it doesn't work on this kind of thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those those are cool to keep him on his toes, but, like, not meaning that – I guess what I'm thinking of is, like, the failure mode of this is, like, Inugasha. Yeah. Um, Which I think I probably watched 70 episodes of. I'm not sure how many of there were. But every season was like the same where they would go get to the bad guy and then he would go behind like some wall and he would swing his sword at it and it wouldn't work because there was some magic on the wall. So then the next season, he'd go off, get stronger, go break through that wall. And then the exact same thing. The guy would take a step back and be behind another wall. And it was probably more than a wall and more than a step, but it was that same thing. Okay. And it was like five or six times like, oh, this is just the show. Forget it. I'm out. Um, Mm. So uh that's that's the annoying way where it's like aha you're you're not quite strong enough your powers are for naught right that this isn't being done quite that way yeah i think you might have been watching the show for the wrong reasons from what i heard it was mostly a romance i was definitely watching it for the wrong reasons i mean i was <laughs> okay i was pre-romance okay. um the i mean and if it was it didn't do it very well i don't think it did that thing where it's like i'm sure there are animes that do it great but most of them you know if the woman can do anything, it's like it completely pales in comparison to the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a self-sufficient, you know, amazing badass. And she's mm-hmm. lucky to be able to help if she can. And right. I I hate that shit. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. I, I mean, I, mean, it I, was, I get it, it. That's the that's the 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 norms of the that medium of storytelling. It's just not my style. OK. I'm yeah, not no, saying I that think, like, they I have to you're... be equals in every regard, but sorry, I'll <laughs> stop interrupting. <laughs> No, 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 no.
1: I, I, I completely agree with you. I just think you're, you're explicitly not the target audience. The target audience was teenage
0: girls. Oh yeah, I was definitely not that then. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, that checks out. As far as gold mage, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of if I think he'll do that. Um, I don't know. I think that when he threw his character sheet together last time, because the one I'm looking at, some of it's still grayed out, but we got to see him rebuild it. Remember when he's respecing? Oh yeah. And I don't think he put gold magic on there. So, granted, I don't think that means that he can't learn it. It just means that he won't get to cheat. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And I forget what the sacrifice needed to be, but presumably a thousand pounds would get you through plenty of decades of being a a gold mage. It's not like he he couldn't go get more when he's a gold mage, too, you know? Do we remember how much gold Amon has? It was 500 Uh, pounds, right? Yes. I was going to say, it had had to be well under a thousand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, Wait. Five hundred is Grack's share. Maybe it was a thousand pounds. Okay, yeah. but you know, Amon was also an advanced gold mage. That's true. Yeah, the h- biggest in the city. And this isn't all of their gold either. And that's assuming they don't want they don't want to go get any more. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know if gold magic's on the table or not, but something. You know, he's going to keep finding cool new shit to do, and I'm excited about it. So. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's go on to
1: chapter 138. Stats for nerds.
0: All right. Yeah. We can't go on to do more awesome cool shit until we look back at the cool shit he's done and the things he has to look forward to oh, yeah. Um, there was so we get the character sheet and then we get a look at his quests again and i had a couple of quick notes on some of these mm-hmm. one was guardian of the underworld a machine of vast intellect funneled into the body of a broken man the people of arab have yet to pass his tests but perhaps someone of a different world where has the wherewithal to be allowed within his inner sanctum and I was thinking, I think that, I'm sure the story called Uther Broken a few times too, but we've been talking about it in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this better not be talking about Uther, like funneled mm-hmm. into the body of a broken man.
1: That would be badass. I, I when The first thing I thought when I read this was like, oh, like this is the Emperor in Warhammer 40k. Although not, not quite, it's sort of like, it's got similarities. I don't think that's what it's actually modeled off of. I, would, I was thinking, like, was this modeled off of maybe um, an AI, like, from I Have No Mouth or I'm a Scream? Like, no, not quite that either. So I'm not sure exactly if this is a reference to something, what it is, but it's it's adjacent to a lot of things. And I thought this was just, like, really fucking cool. And uh, if Uther was part of it, that would be even fucking cooler.
0: Yeah. When it says the body of a broken man, I'm getting more, like, less of, like, an emotionally battered, you know, and worn down man and more of, like, a broken body. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it made me think of, uh, Mr. House from fallout, New Vegas. Mm. Okay. Yes. But you know, we're not, I, I just, the uh, the language jumped out at me. Um, uh, yeah. Next one. Finger of the sun. When the elves broke Celestar, there were a small few who continued on with their research. The product of their effort brought nothing but pain. It's not so, clear to me actually yeah. what the quest is there. Did I grab the whole thing or did I just, I think that's the whole thing. Okay. So there's some sad elves. So that's a quest um but more importantly these are the ones who probably shot the sky beam at air
1: i believe so but yeah. that also makes the finger of the sun thing sound right because like yeah, that the, the
0: oh, finger yeah. of energy coming down to scour the earth yeah sun go poke and mm-hmm. yeah oh it's I one, mean, of, the, it's the one the of the it's one of the 13 it's one of the slayer of horrors ah okay okay um all right last or last one on these quests anyway uh no no one more after that okay gone to seed Uh, there's a place on Arab considered worse than the 4,000 hell, the first 4,000 hells and yada, yada, yada. seed sucks. So what I was curious about is how we know that whatever his flesh palace is worse than the first 4,000 hells. Can't the infernoscopes only see into like level 3,000 something or 5,000? Maybe it's, maybe they're saying it's worse than the
1: hells that we can see too.
0: Yeah, that might be it. But then I, it kind of makes you wonder like, how do we know that like the bottom half of the hells or whatever ones they can't see are aren't just like amazing utopias? I guess we technically don't, but we have no reason to believe each, that they should be, but
1: <laughs> if if each hell is worse than the one above it, then it, it makes sense to, to extrapolate that they're going to keep getting worse as they go down.
0: Yeah. But why would you put a, you know, a, a wall in front of the ones that you can't look into? Um, don't get me wrong. A number of utopias doesn't outweigh a number of hells, but um, yeah. it just seems like the kind of fuckery that, Would be on the table. You know, June's about to press the turn off the hells button, and he learns either the DM tells him or whatever that like, oh yeah, the last ones is where all the bot, you know, where all the souls actually go. And you know, (laughs) after some some time of torture, and it's actually perfect. Everyone there's super happy. Here, look.
1: (laughs) In fact, you were when you were taking the souls out of people's bodies and bottling them and letting them dissipate over three years. You were really fucking up, man. You denied them heaven forever.
0: I really think that that is the kind of thing that might show up. Fucking Uh, DM but we'll have to see then i was wondering too i'm not sure how far val can see um i don't think that she's blocked by infernoscopes. so she, she could probably skim the bottom levels of hell and be like oh yeah they suck too yeah uh,
1: hopefully they'll ask her
0: yeah and then i had to grab this one because i'm i feel like this i would be filing a complaint with the dm on this one mm-hmm. we're going to need books lots of books the latest report from the infinite library is that the world will stop publishing books in roughly 2 years the man who left the library changed the future and if you go in you'll change the future too but perhaps that's for the best he didn't get a progress update or anything on this quest you know you're right maybe this was maybe
1: this chapter was written down before a progress update what does it say no we were
0: Level, in what, we, he, we would have seen mm, it
1: yeah right? no you're right yeah it would have shown wow. up on his dialogue boxes Maybe, maybe the game considers killing several librarians and then bugging the fuck out to
0: not be a uh, a significant step forward in this quest. I feel like just getting there would have said, you know, quest progress or something. Great, you're here now. Do stuff. Well, but nope, yeah, I, I, I don't know how you file a, a formal complaint to the DM, but I feel <laughs> shafted here. Yeah, come on, DM. I went to the library. I changed the future. What more do you? What more do you want to give me a hint about what to do with this quest? All right. So. That's uh, fingers crossed for them, I guess. We'll see how, how those shake out. We do get a few more notes about
1: some of the antennas they have, including the teleportation key. Now we know that people in extra-dimensional space still count against the limit. Uh, so I guess they tested that at some point off-screen. Mm, worth a shot. Sucks that it didn't work, though. Yeah, we now know that, but we don't know how they know that. That's true. Hopefully they didn't lose any
0: <laughs> test cats or whatever. I'm sure they did. That's. I mean, I I don't know what they did. If Maybe they you know, had some enemies or something like, all right, I one in the glove and we're going to see how many of you guys survive. But. <laughs> Whoops. We just did another second empire death train in the glove. Didn't they like try and talk Voltaire into doing that? Yeah. When they were I think- fleeing the aisle of whatever the the prison.
1: Oh, that's right. We'll put your other people in the glove or something.
0: And he's like, fuck that. We're taking two trips. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Also that way I can fuck with the dwarf soul. <laughs> of course. Yeah. that yeah. That jerk.
0: Yeah, we have a science experiment.
1: No. And Raven's Blade, the mirrored blade is made of a slice of stilled time and capable of cutting through nearly anything. Fucking pimping as hell, man. Yeah, doesn't get much cooler than that. No, it does not.
0: Or much more lethal. Yeah, yeah. And so for the for the list of NTADs here, it talks about like who it's bound to, right? Mm-hmm. This one's bound to Raven, and I can't remember has it been explained to us? It probably was earlier on like i'm mean, if i could just go back and find it but when emerald explaining about how entads work and oh yeah i've got a cache in the middle of the desert i can i can share with you guys and they explain investiture and all that how mm-hmm. how does an entad come to be bound to somebody
1: uh it was it had something to do with being there when it's first created like i don't know almost mother ducklings onto somebody over the course of some time that's why uh uther wanted to be like there immediately as soon as Kumduna was done uh being constructed
0: so that it could get bound to him over the course of a couple of weeks or however long it takes. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I just, it feels like being there for long enough, you know, I mean, I, I guess I can't think of another way to do it that is fair, but that just sounds so happenstance. But of course, you know, this this world is, writ- is a written story, so nothing's happenstance. Wasn't that also one of the reasons uh, they
1: mothballed Kumduna Coom- instead of letting other people live in them? That like, if they lived in them for long enough, it might get unbound to to the Pendrigs or something? That doesn't ring a
0: bell. I think they mothballed it because it kept killing everybody. Uh, that was probably it. But, yeah. it, you know, it's not impossible. It it might explain, too, you know, uh, Amin had a cache of other people's Entads, you know, in his vault. But really, you can just trade those back to them for gold. Yeah. Which is his real goals. So. Right. Yeah. But I was going to say, speaking of the story being... Uh, a written story nothing being a coincidence raven's uh whatever glove that holds books Mm -hmm. holds precisely thirty-two thousand seven hundred sixty-eight books i was like that number looks familiar and that's exactly four kilobytes or the number of bytes in four kilobytes okay and i'm like okay yes i'm wait for the number of bits in four kilobytes right bits in four
1: kilobytes um i mean it makes perfect sense that it would be some kind of computer important number
0: yeah, but now I'm curious how I got to 30 eh, kilo. I, d- I did the math. So whatever, my my notes here don't explain it, but I had that. Anyway, yes, coincidence, I think not. Um, no, definitely not. But yeah, her shit's fucking tight. Um, Like, I don't know, his companions don't have levels, but she's a high level companion. hmm You know, when he was running across the desert with uh Amaryllus and Fen, he's like, oh, my companions are higher level than me. I don't think he has to feel that way about anybody except for maybe Grack and uh Raven now. Yeah. You know, I guess Bethel, maybe the druid Probably or the, the, the doe, who knows? Cause they can do whatever you want, but right. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, and, uh, all right. So Val's possessions end here with handguns two, hosted at her hips. Hmm. And it's not like they're not special guns. They're not like, you know, her, her armor or anything. It's like, no, she's just so good at them that we have to count them on her list of shit because <laughs> they might as well be magic. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, Bethel contains multitudes. Neat. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Because she does. multiple like of like Yeah, she, and you know, she's probably got layers and all that. I feel like that's a, a nod to that Walt Whitman quote that literate people will understand that I don't, but...
1: Oh, totally. It, it has to be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I don't know. I think it was that was in the context of, like, do I contradict myself? Sure. Maybe she's mm-hmm. a living contradiction, but I don't know if it's that straightforward. Like I said, I think you have to be, you have to be able to be fully literate to parse that, but... I am
1: not literate enough. I yeah. just thought it was like a pretty poem line thing. It's probably
0: that. I don't know if there's anything to read into there, but it was um, a cool line. Yeah. And Palada's not a companion, right? Right. She just pledged her life to him. Right. Cause she's on this chapter with her stuff, but this is just the people in his company. Yeah. Oh, in fact, Solas is here too. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. The, the orbs of the orb of three spirits. That's what she used to kill June over and over. which was just awesome. Mm hmm. Uh, they just pass
1: through anything. I wonder how much stuff they can pass through, or what the range is. I'm assuming she can't just like shoot
0: it at the moon and carve holes through the moon. Carving through any solid or liquid in their path with no resistance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. The the description doesn't mention an upper bound. <laughs> I mean, there has to be
1: one. I just don't. It didn't say what it is.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Maybe or, like as far as you can shoot it with your magic. Like I don't know. Maybe it starts at 70 miles an hour and then slows down with wind resistance. I, but. Yeah.
1: someday maybe we
0: will know only but one way to is find out today. start throwing this exactly. at planets <laughs> yes i do like right. yeah give it some time mm-hmm. i like how it has a You'd cooldown like a of a week oh yeah because they are super strong and they're like you know this is the the way of saying no you can't use this to solve all your problems mm-hmm. this Just, is a once a per campaign item yeah you can use this to solve your problems once a week <laughs> mm-hmm That's it on the cool shit I got here. Um, Still looking forward to meeting our, you know, super overpowered farmer and uh, (laughs) Captain Blue in the bottle and all that stuff. But we're not getting there yet. But we are moving on to
1: quests. We are going to Peace of Mind, which is chapter 139.
0: Yeah, knock, knock.
1: And knock, knock. It is Valencia on the other
0: side of the door. I like how she comes in. She's like, no devils, holding up a hand. Mm. And, you know... (laughs) I, I I think it's because I like her and I I want to trust her, but like I believe her immediately. But that's exactly what you would say if you were full of devils. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but like, there's probably some way to check, uh, especially because they're still inside Bethel. Bethel would probably show up and be like, "Actually, there's devils," and then just you know disappear again.
0: I thought there was explicitly no way to check unless she was currently eating a human soul. Um. Oh, maybe that's maybe that's the case. Yeah, that was like their whole thing at the I think at the funeral they made her eat one okay yeah so that then the warders could see the human soul exactly
1: okay well let's 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 believe her then let's hope
0: uh yeah i just gotta
1: hope i take a word for it yeah she seems to be acting like a person who's not very good at um being a human so
0: which is exactly what they want you to think god
1: damn it you're right
0: there's no way off this man
1: no there isn't (laughs) (laughs) uh but she's there to tell june that Greg has feelings for him which i thought was a strange thing to tell june because June already knows this, right? Uh, did, did you not know this? I, I mean, I guess sometimes it's it's easy for you to see things from the outside that the person on the inside is like, what? This person had a crush on me all these years, and I never knew, and they never said, and everyone else is like a facepalm. Oh, my God. How did you not know?
0: Well, I, I on the one hand, I'm pretty sure you've copped in your life to being bad at like these sorts of things, right?
1: Yes, um. I am
0: so 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 am i i think that this is just maybe part of the human condition especially if you're not expecting anything like that from one direction like you're like oh i never would have thought this person right um yeah so there's that but also i didn't pick up on the fact that Greg had romantic feelings towards june i knew that he had feelings but you know i it could have been whatever brotherly love right um Um, i didn't didn't didn't, didn't, wasn't that whole the
1: crin rail chapter where he's like you think I'm ugly? You don't want to sleep with me thing.
0: Oh yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I guess I'm not sure if, I mean, you could say that whether or not you're romantically interested in somebody like, no, I don't want your pity. Fuck, you know? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Cause I, cause when you pointed that out, I'm like, yeah, I do feel stupid. How did I get through thinking that? Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how, um, (laughs) yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I wasn't shocked, but I don't think I knew this either. Okay. Yeah. But I might be denser As, than the average reader, so... I've been
1: going for quite a while on the assumption that uh, Grack has some kind of thing for June.
0: Like, I know it's some kind of thing, but I guess I... You know, it, they clearly have a unique bond. But like I said, I didn't know if it was romantic or not. And um, you even know, Val I ha- just says I it's have- complicated. Yeah, okay, that's, that's fair enough. I, I have specifically, you
1: know, in my life had um, weird conflicts with people where, like, they have you know you like someone as a friend not as as a romantic person or kind of uh question and i'm like i don't i don't see how there's a difference like i just like people or not like people and maybe i'm attracted to them sexually or not but like i don't have a different ladder of romantic liking and friend liking of people and i guess others do so maybe that's this is part of my blindness where i'm just like yeah if you like someone enough you're you're you could love them in in that sense but uh I guess other people don't have that.
0: I think there's an easyish way to illustrate this point. Hmm. But it depends on like on your, on your relationship with your siblings. Okay. Um if you if you like any of your siblings, you probably can look at them look at that like and be like, "Oh yeah, there's no romance in that." Right. I I'm not sexually attracted to any of my siblings. Right. No, I mean I I I Wasn't trying to make any insinuations. I guess I just mean that, like. No, 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 that's okay. I'm not insulted or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you look at that like and you're like, Uh or that that kind of care, that love or whatever. And Uh you're like, oh, yeah, there's no romance in there. Then you look at it for your romantic partner and you're like, oh, yeah, that has another component that this one doesn't have. I see it now. The other component is I also want to fuck my romantic partner. Oh. So fuck and romance are the same thing.
1: Well, I mean, no, not necessarily, but like, I can. Like, feel very strong emotions for people that I do and don't want to fuck on the same level of emotions. Like, the emotions are more or less the same. Hmm. Regardless of whether I have the sexual attraction.
0: Yeah, no, I think I I, I totally see where you're coming from. I still feel like there's this component called romance, but I know that we tried to puzzle this out a few years ago and I haven't made any progress. And I I mean,
1: this was the thing that led to the downfall of one of my relationships before, where my partner was like, "I, I don't understand this about you and maybe we can't have this anymore if you don't have a separate romance or no romance feelings kind of track. I was like, well, that sucks.
0: And you know, things went badly from there. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that went badly. Like that went, that went far enough and hard enough sideways that there was no way that that was, you know, that was just a bomb waiting to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there were
0: other issues too, but that, that was one of them to quote, you know, a couple, uh, hour or so ago that just straight up sucked, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah i don't know uh anyway whatever sort of like is there plus or minus maybe some component of wants to bang uh Grak has that towards um towards june now i really want ayla to
1: run a twi- a poll like that on her twitter about like do you have separate friend romance track feelings or is there just one continuum because Ayla's always asking cool, interesting questions like that and has enough followers that it's actually, you know, a, a a cool, you can get some sort of idea of of how people shake out, at least among that subsection of Twitter.
0: The interview you guys did with her on the Mind Killers was a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah, she's a really cool character. I I would like if I, maybe there's another way to. I was going to say, maybe there's another way to follow her without having to be on Twitter. And I was like, oh, yes, of course there is. I can get an OnlyFans, but I don't (laughs) know if... uh... Very different audience. Yeah, very different audience. I don't know if she does, you know, the rationalists thinky polls on OnlyFans or not, but she's really cool. I don't know if i like her enough to get on Twitter, but if I was on Twitter, I totally would be, you know, a follower. Yeah. Um... Okay. All right. Diving back in here. I can't remember what the setup was, but it doesn't matter because uh val was like but you hate me and uh june's like i don't hate you i think what you did to me and Fen was shitty and i don't actually trust that it was for the right reasons whatever those are and yeah it pissed me off especially after she was gone but i didn't and i don't hate you and i'm like yeah i think that this was and i get you know she's a sad puppy who's never been kicked before and (laughs) you know or let, let me rephrase that she spent her entire life being kicked Mm-hmm. and the first time that you know this new guy that you know went a whole month without kicking her yells at her she's like oh god you hate me right and i totally get mm-hmm. where she's coming from but he's like no you kind of you know meddled in my love life and it led to catastrophe you know it Fen and i probably would have been sitting next to each other at that table if we hadn't just broken up you know yeah. like so in a not entirely not your fault way she's dead because of you um mm-hmm. so you know i get why he's mad but it's like no i don't hate you you know you didn't you didn't slip her the soul poison to kill her in her, you know, like on purpose. You know, that's the kind of thing I, that warrants hate. You fucked up. You know, I'm mad, but I forgive you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I guess I don't have anything else to say. Like,
1: I, I see, I see Valencia's side, but
0: also I think you're right. Well, only June gets to say how he, well, I guess he can be lying to himself or us about how he actually feels, but. Right. Um, and I was going to say, June has privileged access to his feelings that people on the outside don't have, unless you're Valencia, and get to look at him with, <laughs> with all the wisdom of, of thousands of years of Satan. So, And maybe the last time she
1: looked at him with thousands of years of Satan, uh, he did hate her, and like now he doesn't, but he hasn't let her eat a demon and look at him in that time, so uh, she doesn't know. She'll have to fall back on trust, like all of us
0: mortals. Oh, man, trust is the worst. Well, she gets there's a loyalty bump in this conversation, so that's true so it's could be worse uh
1: so um oh wait sorry
0: i i hate to interject but people are gonna pedantically point out correctly that uh she's her his her response to her him saying i don't hate you is she's like you did devil's no hate and he's like okay fine i hated you a little bit (laughs) (laughs) um but Just the I, right
1: amount. Right.
0: I was, I was looking at the lo- loyalty bump, and this was right above that. He says, okay, I hated you a little, but if we didn't give each other second chances, then we're not going to get very far. We're not going to be a very effective team. And that's where the loyalty bump comes in. Yeah. That's that's a good point. Like, you're also stuck
1: with this team, right? We, we don't know if you can build that last slot now that it's been vacated by Finn. We don't know if the only way to vacate a slot is to kill someone. Like, this is your team, and you're going to have to work with them. Even if you have some personality conflicts or, you know, seething hatred. (laughs) So maybe get on that for the greater
0: good of Arab. But luckily they seem to jam pretty well. They do, yes. Yeah, little little, mm, wrinkles in the chemistry there, but I think it's it's coming out okay. If he
1: did hate her, do you think it would be the right thing to, like, forgive her as much as he can and work with her anyway, despite the fact that he blames her for killing Fen in order to save Arab?
0: (laughs) How did you put it? with amaryllis like leaning back closing your eyes and thinking of england or something yeah yeah <laughs> yes i think that that's what he would do um for the sake of the greater good uh okay. or at least that's what he maybe should do you know yeah um but yeah do he, he like okay you know what i'll you suck but you're the only one who can eat infernals at the rate of a thousand an hour so you're staying on the team i despise you but this is important yeah
1: Okay. So they are talking about how Grack is supposed to get over June. And Valencia's like, you know, just find him someone else. The best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. Uh, she says,
0: that is how I got over you. Wait, get under someone else? Is that what she said?
1: No, she didn't say that. That's oh. It's
0: a saying from, I don't even remember where I heard it from first. Because that's really funny. I feel like I would have noticed that in the book. Well, that, that's a good joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way I, to get over someone just to get under somebody else. High five. Yes. That's a good
1: one. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, and she says, yeah, that's how I get over you. Got over you. And he goes, oh, so wait until he gets a George or a Jorge. I'm I, Sorry, my Englishness is getting in there. Or American centricism. Whatever. Jorge. Uh, and I was just thinking, like, in, when I read that, it. I'm really surprised how fast the DM whisked Val away as romantic interest. Like he, he was being presented with, um, Amaryllis and Fen and Val and like the smorgasbord. And then like as soon as June was like, I, no, not, don't, I'm not okay with this. Like he's just bam, Amaryllis gone, changed her soul. Fen, now your companion. Val, uh, she's got Jorge. So good. She's, she's done. She set like, and I don't. I don't want to say like the DM like did all this for him. This could have just been natural um playing out of things, but like maybe June's request to him to be like I don't want to have a harem. I mean the DM dismissed him said you don't have a harem and technically that was true, but maybe he took his wishes into consideration and was like okay, fine, you don't want a harem,
0: then these people are no longer available to you. It's possible. I feel like, you know, they are super available to him. I think that well, except for Val could read through. I think if if his feelings legitimately changed and he was like, you know, Val, you're my one and only. I think she'd be like, oh, my God, I've been waiting to hear that. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, she might not be that, you know, might not be a, 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 a flipped switch that quickly. But um, I don't know if she's, I don't, you know, none of them are off the table. Right. I kind of get the feeling that unless Jorge dies or like Val and Jorge and June all become OK with polyamory, then she kind of is. I guess we've we only heard that they went they were planning on going on a date once. I have no idea how serious they are, um, but it, it's been implied some time has passed. So maybe they they do you know they are an item or something. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm, I'm more thinking yeah about like how you put it with the DM. Like did the did this happen after he said he doesn't want? I don't know. I think the DM said no. You solve your own fucking problems, nerd. Um, <laughs> I don't think that he's helping with this. I think this is just what happens if you tell somebody no. I'm not into you. I'm into this one over here. Then they're like, okay, I'll go find somebody else, and they do. Yeah. Or if they're amoralist, they say, fine, then feelings suck and they turn them off. But <laughs> right. um that's my thought on it anyway. Okay, so there was a bit about um she asked him about Jorge and he's like, I don't know, he's an outsider, he just kind of showed up to the group. None of those feel like his real objection, right? Um mm-hmm. the the real reason is like, no, because it wasn't he like forty and you're like twelve. Um I feel like and of course, you know. Like he's like you he pointed out earlier. It's like, no, I want to have you around as backup. Um, right. The real
1: objection is he wants to bone her.
0: Right. But the uh, I, I think it's uh, she's like, oh, it's not because you want to have sex with me. And uh, <laughs> he's like, Jesus, my, my humble, my, my modest, my, my my Midwestern modesty. Um, <laughs> but I would never, <laughs> ma'am. Well, we, we can't talk about it that, that directly. But mm-hmm. I like I think I I do think that there's something and in her character bio it says that she's a lot like a child. Um mm-hmm. or that she's basically a child. I think that there is, you know, there's something very childlike about her. Right, because she didn't have a childhood and she doesn't have mm-hmm. a, anything approaching an adolescent psychology or maybe approaching an adolescent psychology, but um she's never had a chance to develop a, you know, her own mind. Um Yeah. It's in fact, they talk about this. I don't know if I put it in the notes about her, like fixation on every first thing. Yeah. And, you know, Harry Potter, Mountain Dew, Jorge. Um, there was a really wise way that June put it at the end of the whole Jorge conversation, which was like, I wish I could remember it because I didn't put it in the notes, but it was just an awesome way of saying like, look, no, just keep in mind that you might be anchoring on like your tendency to fixate, but uh, that doesn't mean that it's not the case. Just keep that in mind. There was a, he put it better because he's got a higher social skill than I do, but um, Anyway, yeah, I just like how she just put it right out there. She's like, oh, I thought it was because these titties. And he was like, <laughs> well, it is, but we can't just say that because of it's, <laughs> Reasons. it's not modest. Yeah. Yes.
1: And, and that she, she goes on to talk about that, that, you know, one of the hardest things about people is all the things that they don't say, like, about these titties. Um, <laughs> and especially the things that everybody knows, uh, like, about these titties. Um, but, or everyone, but me knows. And she says with a devil, I can figure it out. But even then it seems so pointless. We could all become the sorts of people who just talk about all the things we're thinking, but we don't because it would be work. And I, first of all, I wanted to pull this out and say how much I love, um, Valencia and these types of characters. Uh, I'm thinking of Anya and Buffy. I'm thinking of data in star Trek next generation, like the, these sorts of people who, I mean, I, I kind of want to say childlike, but it's not even childlike. It's just the the naivety of taking people at their word and believing that they aren't constantly playing stupid emotional bullshit games and can just be trusted to be normal people or not normal people, because this is what normal people do, to trust it to be nerdy autistic people. And you can't actually trust that. And it's really fucking frustrating. But I really sympathize with these characters and I always love seeing them. and. And, like, not only do I, like, seeing that about Val, but, like, with Val, she kind of seems like an autism wish fulfillment kind of character, when I think about it, because she has all those things that those characters have, where you can't quite make sense of all the crazy social bullshit signaling stuff, and it just feels so absolutely pointless, but she's got the superpowers where she can totally see all of it when she wants to. And she can understand all that neurotypical stuff when she needs to. Uh, and so like, she has this cool ass power, but you know, even though she can see it, she, she still thinks it's BS. And I really like Val rock on for her.
0: Yeah. I like, Uh, I mean, I sympathize with her pointing out that like, look, a lot of what, you know, you humans do is weird and pointless. Um, But like, that's, you know, like you mentioned, like data and, um i'm familiar with data i don't know if that was that version of spock or something similar but like the, yeah he was t and g spock perfect yeah so it's just like you know the ones of like i can't human well enough to relate to you but i can do all the other parts and those parts are important and they work just fine on their own i'm not saying that there's a, a useful place for like this bullshit pussyfooting around for half of your conversation but because mm-hmm. i also have no patience for that but i don't know you Know, oh yeah, you guys could just not do that, but it would be work, and it's like, yeah, it would be a lot of work to overcome, you know, our entire like upbringing, slash, possibly some, you know, literally genetic components involving, you know, signaling and, and deceptions and that sort of thing, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so yes, it's work, but it, you know, we don't get to just eat a devil and d- put in 3,000 years worth of work in five seconds, you know. Yeah. Um, that said, it's worth putting in some work because I, I do this in my life, it's great, like, I. I can have I could be on the phone like with my with my mom and just tell her like look you know I can't talk about this anymore it's exhausting like you know but like in a nice way mm-hmm. because we're at a level where I can where we can and I I, I bring up my mom like as a particular example because usually it's not a parent child dynamics work right um, oh uh, yeah that, yeah the, the older you get the more they can
1: work like that totally but and I gotta um, say also like the the more practice you have and the older you get the easier it is to interface with all this kind of stuff
0: totally but also you know you can cultivate social circles where this stuff comes in less and less like you know yeah if, if you and i are talking about something serious i can trust that like you're actually saying what you mean mm-hmm. and you know you're not gonna be i don't know delivering some bullshit you know couched in truth or something like that right um, yeah it's uh anyway I, the, the yeah, that that's basically my whole thought on it. I have, I have the same sort of dis- in, impatience for it. Um, there was a funny line here where... Okay, so... Because I brought this up like three times in the book. Mm. Um, Val says, well, I didn't want to tiptoe around it. And she crosses her arms in front of her chest. Yes. Um, I feel like I can't be the only one who thinks that when... That specifies that it's in front of someone's chest, we're meant to think of their breasts. Uh, if someone can find me an example of anywhere in the story where a man crosses his arms in front of his chest and not somewhere else. Cause where else could you possibly cross them? Then oh. I will I'll retract my statement and admit that I'm just a, a, a you know, a pervert. Um, but I'm pretty no. sure that, you know, it-
1: that, that is, that is a very cool testable hypothesis. And like, I never thought of it in a sexual way, but maybe you're right. Like if we can't find any instance of a man crossing his arms in front of his chest, then that does seem to me that there is, some specific yeah calling out of the chest area that that it
0: yeah hmm. it seems to come up every time like that the chest area is on the participants on on their minds um so that that's oh because they were just talking about sex right and like other times he would be talking about the Amaryllis and like think about how pretty she is and then she crosses her arms in front of her chest and like it's it never calls out but it, like it i feel like it's nodding towards that yeah, And I only brought this up because I remember last time I got pushed back on that. And I'm like, okay, no, I I think I'm right, but we can check this. <laughs> I mean, I just, yeah, no, I I, I do believe I pushed back
1: for, for the reason I just stated. But I this this is uh, definitely a, a possibility, and
0: I could be wrong. Now, it could just be that only Alexander Wales does it, and it's only in this story. In fact, now that I think about it, it strikes me as distinctly plausible that Superman crossed his arms in front of his chest before. But I'll have to double check. Um, mm-hmm but maybe it's just this story maybe i'm wrong in which case i'll i'll uh i'll say on the air that i just i'm i'm a boob obsessed I'm a boob obsessed pervert but
1: <laughs> oh I, I don't think being boob obsessed makes you a pervert it just makes you a male with a sex drive
0: well i'm glad you mentioned that because june says yeah well, it's uh, just people. i guess i should specify yeah <laughs> what we're saying, I, I guess i
1: should specify straight or bi male with a sex drive
0: sure um, <laughs> But I'm glad you mentioned that because June says, look, it's just people. People are hard, really hard, sometimes <laughs> or even most of the time. Uh-huh. And I just, you know, last episode we talked about and you're you we finally can put this to rest. He's finally talking openly about his erections.
1: Oh, thank God. <laughs> After all this time, <laughs> he,
0: Valencia has made him see the light. I mean, you know, and Bethel won't stop shining a light on it. So why is he going to hide it anymore? He's just he's, right? put, he's putting it out there. Except yeah, not even, not literally out there because that would be rude to do without asking. Right. But you know, yeah, that's why he's crossing his hands in front of him to, to <laughs> exactly
1: keep people keep people boner's length away. <laughs> um. Oh, <laughs> I saw this green thing be at the beginning of my highlight, and I was like, what, "What's going on?"
0: I put um, a, uh, a I don't know what you call it uh, a note on your note. You did put a note on my note. Mo-
1: my note was June saying, we're all broken. It's just a matter of how we deal with the broken parts of ourselves. And I loved that line. And I just wanted to pull it out because it felt like a encapsulation
0: of the human condition to me.
1: But what did you comment on before that?
0: That exact or, line. No,
1: well, what, what what is your note on my oh, note? Oh,
0: yeah. As he's saying this, he's applying mascara and eyeliner. <laughs> all right. You keep saying, join us on the, you know, the goth side and stuff. And I was like, I, oh yeah, this, he's, he's there. He just needs the makeup. Rock on. You know, we're all broken. It's just a matter. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I, I feel like if we're all broken, which I feel like is a truism, but if, it's, if, mm-hmm. it, if that's true, then like, then we're not all broken. Like, cause if it's, if it's, if it encompasses everything, it doesn't encompass anything. Right.
1: Oh, if everyone's broken, nobody is.
0: Right. So I think that that's, I would rather just skip to the end of that and be like, no, we've all got stuff. But, like, we're not broken because that that would imply that, that we're, you know, broke. We just we, – everyone's got problems. Everyone's got stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. You can phrase it either way. I I prefer the phrasing of we're all broken because it makes me feel better and that is my cheery thought. But I realize that that would be the opposite of a cheery
0: thought for somebody else. Well, in that case, I endorse whatever interpretation of it makes people most happy. Yeah. Oh, this this so perfectly ties into the next one that it feels like a deliberate setup. I'll go ahead and pretend okay. it was.
1: Okay. Uh, June is saying that um, when he's talking about his whole, I, I you know, I, I want to bang Valencia, but I don't actually want to bang Valencia. Ah, what's, what's going on? He says, I want Emerilus to be happy. I want Valencia to be happy. But there's a part of me that sees them with partners or potential partners and screams, no, mine. And my one comment on this was fucking monos, man you can want people to be happy and want to have sex with them and even actually have sex with them and like not have to be all possessive about it. But I realize that is not the majority of the human populace. So I I just, I put a little winky face after that because you know, as you do like "Mm," the, the the way that might say, you know, fucking breeders or something about straight people.
0: Right. Yeah. When you, when you do a drive by throwing a brick at my house, you you give a nice friendly wink to let me know no hard feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I uh I mean, yes, there's a he's he's I think that I can chalk up most of his way of doing everything wrong to the fact that he's, you know, 17-18, you know, plus or minus some age from, you know, being able to literally 30. level up his his knowledge and his wisdom and stuff, but hmm. um, you know, it's I think that he will, you know, I guess some, you're right. Some people make it all the way until they're, you know, they're I don't know, past reproductive, but also, I guess, their their elderly age. And they never come around to the fact that, like, no, you can love somebody and, like, be fine with, you know, sex being not this, you know, exclusivity thing, right? Um, Yeah. But, I don't know. Um, He's not there yet anyway. Also, Mono's, you've got a shorthand for everything, don't you?
1: I mean, it just seemed like the quickest, easiest way to... to,
0: Shorthand monogamous people, yeah. I think I used the word aspies like in a note a few months, a few weeks, or months ago. That is not me. I saw that somewhere else. I know, but apparently there is a shorthand for everything. It's weird. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's people don't want to say more than two syllables ever. So I hate typing as much as the next person. So I get it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if you are forced to use a word a lot, you'll find a way to shorten it
0: or put in a keyboard shortcut for it, like I do for some of mine.
1: Oh, that's cool. Well, I mean,
0: really. It's only the emoticons, like the table flip and stuff like that, or my my, uh, email address that I put on for like all the spam shit, like, hey, Spotify, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, they're talking about Greg's feelings again, and Greg has feelings
1: for him. June says that the way he was raised, you're allowed to think things so long as you don't say or act on them as part of this whole thing about him with Jorge and with Valencia. And... I don't know. It, it seems to me that this is very much the same kind of school as the actions matter and the thoughts don't. And I think that actions are the things that most matter,
0: but thoughts don't not matter at all. Yeah, I didn't read from either of those that like thoughts don't matter, just that actions are matter more. You know, I mean, thoughts lead to actions, yeah. and so in that sense, to say that someone is you know ignoring them completely, they're just missing the point. But mm. it's like a, I don't know you really hate your boss and you're like, man, I could cut the brakes on his car. I could, you know, slip some rat poison in his coffee or something. You know, you yeah. maybe you don't want to be the kind of person who indulges or who it, uh, even engages in those kinds of fantasies, but you definitely don't want to be the kind of person who indulges in them. You know, huh? I, I, I
1: was just thinking because like June is 17. When I was a teenager, I would all the time just have fantasies of like, just even random mayhem for no reason, like just, you know, shooting up places, watching buildings explode, just not even because I hated anybody or I wanted them dead. I was just like, ah, man, this would be just really cool to see what would happen if like you unloaded with a machine gun here. Like
0: we had a word for that when I was 17 or there, there existed a phrase you wish uh-huh. that you could just go Grand Theft Auto for a few minutes.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. And- I I do that much less or even not at all now. I don't know if, like, because my emotions have become more in tune with what I would most want. But I I guess it is far more applicable in June's case at 17 that you should not be really judged for thinking things like that. Because sometimes you just think things and, yeah, whatever. I'm walking back what I was saying just a few minutes ago.
0: (laughs) I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, now that you mentioned it, yeah, I haven't had those sorts of thoughts either for a long time. I wonder, at least not, you know, for any length. Um, you know, I think that there's uh an aspect to it with June that like he's like I said he's not your typical seventeen year old, but just like in general, you know, you can hate your coworker or your boss or whatever, but you 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 act nice to them. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can actually be nice to them. Uh, yeah, it's like I don't know. I it, if you if you're like a I don't know, it doesn't matter what your job is. But I'm thinking of like the most extreme example is like if you're if you're a therapist and your patient mm. isn't doesn't show your religion or your politics or whatever like that doesn't matter you meet them where they're at and you work with them wherever they need to be right yeah if they want to vent at you about how dumb everyone is you know because they've all bought into this you know uh this vaccine business when really they're just trying to put 5G in your bloodstream and stuff <laughs> like you yeah. and you if you're their therapist you're like you lean back and you you validate their anytime. feelings you know maybe mm-hmm. a bit no, that's not the kind of therapist I would like. I'd like one who would call me on my bullshit, but... Um, me too. Do you think, is that,
1: would is would it be considered unethical for a therapist to, at the end of the session, be like, but you know, you probably should maybe get some, the vaccine or something. Like, are they supposed to just listen and be an
0: emotional helping person? Um, I really, I'm not an expert. I got to think, I you know, it depends on a case by case. Like, if the person is in there um, and like that, they're just like ranting about something, but that's not the crux of what they're dealing with. Yeah. Then like, no, let's focus. Let's keep our eye on the ball. We'll circle back to that in six months when your crisis is over or like, you know, whenever. That's a damn good point.
1: Yeah. My brother, he, he actually has schizophrenia and sometimes when he's in his things, like there's nothing you can say to him. It's, that's not the issue and trying to engage it in that level would be counterproductive.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's unfortunate. Um, Oh, Hey, I, I, I know that your brother has that condition or deals with that condition. And I'm glad that, it's managed and that's it's terrible. But I was going to make a kind of flippant joke that it's it's a bummer that like a third of the country, you their their vocalizations and behaviors on this particular uh subject <laughs> are indistinguishable from that of somebody who you know suffers with psych- psychosis, right? Yes, um, yeah,
1: but and I mean, e- even he got the vaccine because he has medication that me keeps him on keel most of the time, yeah.
0: <laughs> i i don't want to make it light of your of your brother's condition or you know that sort of thing yeah Yeah. as long as you're laughing then i don't feel bad either Uh, totes but yeah you know some people some people would be silly um Mm -hmm. all right where were we oh i guess um we were looking at this i forget the exact context but it doesn't matter uh maybe it was about the feelings maybe that's out of order too but who cares um uh june asks like what do you what do you mean about Like you think uh, you don't know. And she says, no, I don't, I don't trust the devils. I don't trust myself when I'm borrowing their wisdom and knowledge. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And just like that, Val has my full trust again, assuming she's not lying with devil magic.
1: Oh, always the paranoia. I don't know how to turn that off.
0: Yeah. But, but you're right. If she
1: truly believes this, then yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a very Hermione thing to say. We've been inside her head. That's the kind of person she wants to be. Mm hmm. I think I'm going to give her one more chance. I'll, you know, I got to keep, you know, one eye on, you know, ready for that knife to come out and stab us in the back, but I won't be, you know, focused on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So after
1: he's done speaking with Valencia and having some of trust back and learning some things about Grack and all that, he goes down into the bottle because that's where he's going to be staying now when he sleeps. And he's, uh, Going to be hanging out with the locust, but before he does that, he is thinking about the the actual uh, landscape inside the bottle, the the nature area around him, and he says that uh, this landscape, confined within a mile tall glass bottle, is everything I could want in a place. And he does describe it very beautifully and idyllically. And I agree with him that is that is kind of the perfect natural spot. And I. If I could have, like, all my friends and a goth club and that kind of a location, that is where I would love to live. But uh, the reason I pulled this out is that it struck me that the bottle, the, the nature landscape area within the bottle, is basically the location equivalent of Amaryllis for him, <laughs> where Amaryllis is his perfect everything you could possibly want in the physical uh, side of a woman. Uh, this is everything you could possibly want in the physical side of a, of a space to be inside
0: you might be right maybe i read it a little differently i you know everything i could want yeah that is that sounds like what he's saying I, I read it more as like this has everything you know i should i this has like enough here that i could be happy for a long time or something i read it much more like chill but maybe it was mm-hmm. just me inserting my own self i'm like how do you have this but not have like a you know futuristic space station and like you have everything you want but it doesn't have that that's crazy um well, if maybe i had doesn't a futuristic yeah, if I had a futuristic space
1: station, I would want to put this on it because that's where I'd want to hang out.
0: I I would go outside once in a while and look at look out the window, you know, outside the jar, I mean. Uh um, Oh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I guess. But having the jar around for a quick trip to zen out sounds awesome. And mm-hmm. that's what he does the whole time in here. It's fantastic. And that's why he wants yeah. to, we I think it wasn't much of a leap, but we were trying to think of why he wanted to stay in the jar. He didn't mention hiding from Bethel, um rather hiding his erections from Bethel, but I think that might be part of it. <laughs> um Yeah. But no, the real reason he's like, no, let's go hang out with this deer. Let's let's get the loyalty up. Yeah, and I want to feel like he's not just doing it for its own sake, but because he's. I think when he was talking with uh, Raven, when he came down from being Voldemort June, and he was like, you know, you guys are all here to teach me something, and I feel like I can be that person for you too. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, you six foot, six eyed deer, you're also on this list. Let's try and let's see where we're at. Let's let's do this. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I mean, I
1: think the impet- impetus was probably to like start getting some loyalty or whatever, but it really feels like when he's doing this, that it's kind of like therapy for himself. It's unwinding and
0: getting all of this out and reflecting on it and not keeping 100%. it hundred percent. Yeah. I had the same thought. And, and I think the last time he was in here doing the same thing, but yeah, especially this time, he's just doing talk therapy at this thing that I'm 90% sure fully understands everything he's saying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but no, he's just you know, getting, laying all his feelings out and articulating them.
1: Uh, he's talking to the doe and he says he's describing the times when things had seemed to simply come to me from the ether ether. Nah. Connections that my mind had made without me, or details that had been added for the sole reason that they seemed right, not because there was necessarily any logic underpinning it. He's talking about his creative process here, where you know, there's the thing we were saying earlier, where you think about all the implications of uh, people's souls dissipating after thirty minutes and what that does to the world, and that you have death watches for old people and all that, and that's like all the ratficky thinking things through, systems, logical stuff, which we love. Uh, but he's also talking about there's times where. He's not doing that. He's just being creative and letting things flow. And it just seems to come from somewhere else. And while he's reflecting on all that, he gets a loyalty increase from the dough. And I thought it was cool that, like, first of all, like, being cool, not being cool, being, like, lost in the moment kind of stream of mind, stream of consciousness things is what gets you locus loyalty when you're just opening up like that. And also I think the fact that he was talking about creativity and that aspect of creativity seems very much like what the locus is about as well. And I think he comments on this in the chapter. And, and so that would get you the loyalty up with her as well to identify more with that part of yourself rather than the logical extrapolation part of things. Um, I thought that was cool.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Um, It's, the kind of thing that he wasn't angling for it, but like maybe on one level he was cause like, Hey, creativity, this thing's all about creativity and you know, that sort of thing. But again, I feel like he's not quite mining for it on purpose, but mm-hmm. it's just coming up organically. But yeah, I agree that it's, it's kind of cool. And I don't have any creative process like this where I'm, you know, inventing things like that. So I don't know um, what it's like, or if his process is indicative of everybody's or, uh, however I, it works sometimes
1: but when you're doing problem solving with the programming sometimes don't things just kind of snap into place where you suddenly realize like oh
0: and it comes together yeah but it's it's not that you know some uh part of it kind of drifts in into mind you know without uh it, it's not in this mystical way it's more just like oh that's the puzzle piece that was missing okay yeah um at least that's that's maybe if i you know start sucking less and it'll start feeling more creative, but that I don't, I don't do anything creative. I don't feel like <laughs> um, one
1: of these days you get those moments where all the equations are floating in front of your eyes.
0: Yeah. Uh, then I'll realize that I was on drugs the whole time. Um, <laughs> I like how, Oh, there was a, there was a good bit here. I can't remember. He's talking about how Amaryllis he's like, Oh yeah. She thinks that the, you know, the companions are all like meant to relate to me in some central axiom sort of way. Um, and he had that same sort of thought with Raven. I'm not sure who had it first, if he talked about it with Amaryllis or not. But um two thoughts on that. One, it's funny because he looks over the locust and it's like, you have to understand, I don't really think of people this way. I'm just trying to get myself in the mindset of the dungeon master and what he might have been thinking. And the doe looks at him and blinks with her six eyes out of sync with each other. And <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like, of course, it got her mind like, oh yeah, the, like the, I don't know. So, like, it's, like I said, it is it is creepier that they don't blink in sync than the fact that they uh just do it presumably like one at a time. Um yeah. and then he's thinking like is Amaryllis maybe meant to teach me a lesson about how it's okay to just be friends? and no real clues there. And I'm like, that's that can't just be the thing, right? Yeah. You know, Grac is teaching him the value of like how to find meaning in your life. Like amaryllis is not going to say, and sometimes you can not touch the boob, right? Um <laughs> That's that's not gonna be her thing. But then I'm kinda wondering what it could be. Like you know, Grack and Fenn and uh, Val, for sure. Bethel, uh, Raven. Raven's a bit of a mystery. But, uh, you know, all the other ones, they have some serious stuff that mm-hmm. corresponds to some serious stuff that June has. Mm-hmm. And But otherwise, Amaryllis was basically a perfectly well-adjusted badass before June got there and would be when he left. In fact, was when he left. I think she's, she's very well-adjusted, but, like, she had
1: a very fucked-up childhood and upbringing, and she almost seems to have overspocked it to overcome it like maybe she is the uh hiding your emotions and not facing things and instead of being overly logical thing that's a
0: that's a good point i like that yeah she's she's the she's the literal walking example of hiding from your feelings yeah. she oh, wakes up every morning hold- and turns her feelings off right yeah I, well yeah literally i guess too damn that's a good point yeah okay i gotta point out that yes if he doesn't have anything to learn from Amaryllis, which you made a good case that he does, so I'm less concerned, but it, for the for the little while I was thinking that he, that he didn't. I was like, Oh, that that ups the possibility that she's the D M P C, right? Ooh, yeah. Then again, I mean I guess Arthur probably learned from his wise old wizard. I would imagine he must have learned a bunch. Yeah, that's
1: kinda of half the point of having one around. Yeah, like one of the things he learned is how to uh, surprise murder an old
0: man. <laughs> The one lesson he shouldn't have taught him. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. You ever want to creep up on, a, on an old wizard and kill him? Here's how you do it. <laughs> so I guess we'll see how that shakes out. I I don't think it's her. Like I said, I feel like it'd be weird if whether the DM is June or Arthur inserted himself into the game to be June's wet dream. Like, you know, the wise old wizard. Fine. That makes sense. But, you know, why, why the pretty girl? Mm-hmm. Why the immensely pretty girl? That's just weird. I I don't know. I'd I'd want to be a really pretty girl if I ever got to play a computer game like that. But not if part of the game was you tricking your younger self. Eh, that just that feels off putting. I don't know. Trying to sneak into your own pants, you know.
1: I I mean I would have appreciated it, so I uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'd
1: give me a pass. Yeah, that checks out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> as long as as long as you're consenting to it in advance, you know
1: exactly i give permission for to future me to seduce current me as long as you know it's actually hot and seductive
0: future you is cool. like, finally I'm waiting for him to say that
1: because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, future me is watching in real time
0: charlie gets to turn to you and be like it was me the whole time oh i'm gonna tell her about that she's gonna love it
1: <laughs>
0: see wouldn't that kind of suck though what to, to oh, learn oh
1: if she was actually me the whole time yeah uh, maybe, like, the future me has been alive for so many hundreds or thousands of years that he's a different enough person that it's, you know, not really me anymore. But it would suck for you. Current you. you mean You'd mean be like, oh, I thought, that-
0: I thought this was true love. Not, like, you know, me pranking, not pranking myself, but, you know.
1: Well, who, who,
0: who's to say it's not true love? That's, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. We can, we, we're getting too, we could wax philosophical all night, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> right. you know, who am I to draw lines on what love is? You know. Right, love is love, Stephen. Yeah, there be between a man and his future self from eons down the road, or you know, anyway. Yeah,
1: where were or we? Or just a man so- in his
0: hand. <laughs> H- hats off to you on that one, sir. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, we had a uh, oh, I was going to say, as long as we're waxing philosophical, we could do the chair stuff. But we get, uh. Loyalty level ten out of the dough first, which unfortunately doesn't turn her into a a, a pretty young maiden. Not yet; they're still loyalty level twenty. That's true. Uh,
1: but in loyalty level ten, he gets the six eyed achievement, where any attempt to use any system in a non standard way will be considered one degree more reasonable than it otherwise would be, uh, and it ends with the layman will look more favorably on your attempts to argue definition, which seems super op in my opinion. That you get to bend the rules. Like, he's the only person in the world who gets to actually literally bend the rules of reality,
0: and that's fucking awesome. I agree. That's crazy. I also don't, like, what's great about it is that that makes no sense. Um, <laughs> right? Which is perfect for a, a what do you call it, a, a passive skill that you get from the six-eyed doe, mm-hmm. right? Any attempt to I- use any system in a non-standard way will be considered one degree more reasonable Okay, so any system, any non-standard way, in one degree, out of 360 degrees, or like one level more reasonable, the whole thing Uh, is like, fuck you, it doesn't matter. The thing is, (laughs) you can be a little more creative, and you won't be punished for it. Exactly.
1: And it, of course, gives us a wonderful example by flashing back to Kansas, when Raymer is asking, what counts as a chair, so he can do some Raymer bullshit with some magic?
0: I love it. I do think that I wanted to mention really quick, because you mentioned the layman because it had come up before it had um, yeah and to me i just i kind of imagined it like you know you mentioned it as like a process that could be spun up as like here's the average person let's ask that um, mm-hmm. that was my guess yeah and that, that's distinctly plausible given the nature of june's reality but i sort of just always imagined it as the stand-in for like the court definition of reasonable doubt like oh
1: like what a reasonable person would expect?
0: Right. What what would a reasonable person do? And now yeah. you know, of course courts argue about that all the time. But right. it's it's the kind of thing of like, look, no reasonable person could be expected to, and that's gonna be the kind of like when he's uh whatever, arguing with people for non standard definition or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Um that's who he's arguing with, right?
1: Yeah, and he's like, look, it doesn't have to be that reasonable. It has to be within one degree of reasonable.
0: Look, more favorably on your attempts to argue definition. Well, I, the definition, I like more- a chair. Sorry, what? <laughs>
1: uh, I think one of the reasons I really like the idea of a layman being spun up is because there is so much in the law about, like, what would a reasonable person expect? What could a reasonable, like, the reasonable right to privacy? If, uh, I guess, if you're doing something in front of, like, a in your doorway you don't have a reasonable rights privacy, but if you're doing it with the door closed, you do or something. I don't know exactly. And that that's I like the idea of a layman being spun up because then there isn't all this like intuitive arguing about like what's reasonable what's not reasonable like cuz what's reasonable really depends on your culture and how you were raised and your assumptions and the the social milieu that you're in and like if you just had a single layman that you could spin up and ask him hey is this reasonable or not at least we would finally have an objective standard as opposed to like well in the midwest it's entirely reasonable to say bless your heart and everyone knows that means go get fucked but if you do it on the east coast people are going to be like oh he really loves me or whatever
0: yeah, uh, certainly it has the advantage of not being, you know, contingent on who your jury happens to be, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, why why should reasonableness be constrained by, like, who happens to be called to court that day? So yeah. 100% on board there. Um, there's, yeah, you know, you, you spin up like the, all right, sanity checker, we need to look at this, right? Yeah. I can dig it. And, you know, in, in
1: in a simulation like this, you could, in theory, get like a reasonable cross sample of everybody in the world's opinions right yeah maybe why not yeah which is actually a thing that they talk about during the um flashback to kansas where uh where june says maybe there's something like memetic space it's basically a conception of collective memetic strength so if you took all the ideas of what a chair is in all the heads of all the people then you could make an average weighted by confidence or strength or whatever which is maybe like where i was thinking um where that idea came from for me, but that, um, I, I still, I'm not sure that would work across cultures because like if you take an average of what would be reasonable between like some left coast liberal elitist and some subsistence farmer in sub Saharan Africa, the average between the two of them might not be something that either one of them considers remotely reasonable. Right. So I I, I don't know if it would actually work that well, but maybe it would work with chairs.
0: Yeah, what's the, what's the halfway point between the super happy's and the baby-eating aliens? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's the one where the super happy's you know, get to tell you, this is how you're going to be happy now. Uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it is kind of cool that
1: having this memetic space is like almost a literalization of the magic is made of beliefs thing. If you actually had like a memetic space where these objects were. Yeah. And influenced by thoughts. The same way that like, you know, in lots of times, lots in, in fantasy, gods have their power level based on how many people believe in them. That right. kind of thing, yeah,
0: yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I, I, just like that. It's the classic argument of like, all right, well, what's a chair? And apparently, mm. Raymond could summon chairs, and so of course, he needs to know precisely what mm. a chair is because it's Look, like all some right, chairs have guns built into them, sir. Yeah, some chairs have guns. Some chairs are really small, and they they can exist in someone's you know bloodstream, but not you know make it safely through their aortic valve and you know give heart attacks. So, uh, yeah, okay. So, what counts as a chair? And <laughs> yeah like sorry you can ask me every time but that sounds boring um mm-hmm. what was the uh how did this one end oh i remember how this one ended and it was rather um yeah never mind you actually nailed it you pulled it out too the the flashback how did the flashback ends
1: yeah yeah and the at the end of the flashback uh arthur sidles back into the room uh because he'd been gone for the entirety of the flashback up to that and he's like hey what did i miss and basically nothing, and they're like, okay, uh, let's get back to it. And then the flashback ends, and it kind of made me sad because it felt a lot like a reflection of how Arthur has also become a kind of sidelined afterthought on Erb as well. He's no longer June's priority. He's no longer front and center in the story, and that's okay. The story is changing and is going other places, and and Arthur is still like there. We're still reminded he's the end goal but he's not he he was kind of like a footnote at the end of the flashback and it was it was a little
0: sad june hasn't mentioned finding the lost king once since he came back with you know new wisdom from the library yeah um yeah it's interesting all my thought was was that that ending of that flashback made me sad and i couldn't figure out why and i think that you nailed it um mm-hmm. it's just like you know what did i miss and it's like oh chairs oh great are we still in front of the count and june says i breathed a sigh of relief i could usually count on him to get us back on track." And, you know, maybe there's something about him having been able to depend on him or something, but, uh, it's just the, um, yeah, I, maybe it is that, you know, he wasn't in this flashback really. He shows up just in time for it to be over. Yeah. Yeah. A hot dog is a sandwich. All right. You know, (laughs) shots fired. We don't have, I I was going to say, if we were running low on time, we could debate about what is a chair and the hot dog thing. The answer is I don't care on that one, Mm -hmm. but I don't care about the chair either. That's the trick to winning these is you don't give a shit. But I, I am. I'm prepared to to fight whatever one you don't believe. Um, so. <laughs> if but I little... can
1: basically sit in it, it's basically a chair.
0: Yeah, basically. I agree. Okay. All right. And if it's, you know, it's food, you do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and, you know, get, get tied and not about it. In fact, okay. more importantly, what would I anticipate differently in my experience if a hot dog was a sandwich or not? I guess the only thing I'd expect being differently would be if I go to a sandwich shop, could I order a hot dog? <laughs> oh, and you generally cannot. <laughs> well, then I guess it behooves me to not believe that, that doesn't it? It does. Well put. All right. Well, I, I solved that on the fly. Well done. At last, the,
1: the this conundrum of humanity has been fixed by Stephen. Yay. Huzzah. All right. So You know what's going to happen? The hot dog sandwich lobby people are now going to be trying to get hot dogs in all sandwich shops so that they can be right retroactively
0: okay so craig's definition of of sandwich it's (laughs) it's it's meat between bread how is that not a sandwich Mm
1: -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. well
0: june can summon hot dogs yes you know can he summon a fully fledged uther pendrag between two slices of bread right that's that's meat between bread it is no i think he can just do hot dogs He was specifically limited
1: to school cafeteria style. Oh yeah.
0: The ones that like were only sort of okay to eat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The DMs got ahead of me on that one. Mm.
1: Um, He, the DM knew what Raymer has been all about. He's like, I see your past June. I've seen the sandwich discussion before.
0: Yeah. You're going to, you're going to beat me to it. All
1: right.
0: So they're going to have what smearp for dinner. And I knew that was something because June reacted to it, but I don't know what it was.
1: (laughs) It's an old TV Tropes thing. Actually, even before TV Tropes, it was like an old sci-fi um, lit thing where... Uh, if it, it, I, I, I'm just going to include the link, I guess. But basically, you're trying to make an alien world, and you have aliens on it. And uh, so you name them alien a- things with their alien animals. But there, there's not that many different kinds of ways you can have a typical, you know mammalian animal on planets and so smearp ends up just being the alien word for rabbit and it's it's a it shows a distinct lack of creative giving a fucks <laughs> when you're just like yep it's it's a space rabbit we call it a smearp
0: just because like you know this doesn't matter like all right yes it's a space one not an earth one and like don't you don't need to worry too much about it just that's and also,
1: that's i'm not and and i'm not going to put in enough creative um effort into my my thinking of this world to to think up of a new cool alien thing. Right. Like one of the things i liked about avatar is that you could tell all the animals in it had um an evolutionary history. They all had six limbs. Uh and you know some of them had mutated in different ways like bats look very different from horses, but bats are still four-limbed creatures and just the 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 fingers are extended into these long wing things, but uh But everything on Earth has every animal on Earth has four limbs, and every animal in the Avatar movie had six limbs, despite them changing in different ways, and I thought that was a really neat touch. And this is the smear is the opposite of that. The smear is like, eh, there's a rabbit, whatever. Have explosions and space boobs.
0: Yeah, Avatar missed the creativity mark for me when they gave the like explicitly not nursing aliens boobs oh yeah i think that was specifically because they wanted them to be like attractive to human audiences right that was explicit as far as i understand it that was the the said reason like well they, they're gonna have boobs because they need to have boobs because they need to look good like yeah, we uh. want them to be sexually desirable yeah exactly um anyway related to that so you say linked to tv tropes on smearp and mm. it said compared to not using the z word and oh is that in there too well it's it just says compare this trope to that one okay and uh this was um now that i hear the trope i'm like oh yeah this happens all the time this i just thought this was apropos because you don't use the z word on arab um yes but the trope is like going out of the way to not use like zombies or vampires if that's what the story has yeah no they're so walkers. no order. they're the infected no they're the ridden if you're playing back for blood um yeah you know but don't no call yeah, them you, zombies is it you that linked me the video about the two guys talking about zombies going
1: absolutely out of their way to, to use any word except for zombie. That sounds like something I would have said, but I don't know if I've seen it. Oh, it is fucking hilarious. I will send it to you when we are done recording here
0: and you will enjoy it. It's only two minutes and it's great. Super into it. Yeah. Um, okay. So where were we? We talked about Smirp. Uh, we did. So I like this. I think after, after Smirp, they, he and Greg kind of lay their, their feelings out and, mm-hmm. Frankly, I think it goes great. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm uh, missing some subtext or some not subtext, but I feel like it goes as well as it possibly could. Yeah. It, no, I,
1: I think you're right. They're, I can't see how it would have gone gotten, gotten any better. It was basically perfect. Yeah. And I mean, it, it wasn't like perfect, perfect because they aren't, you know, happily in love and giving each other blowjobs or whatever. But uh, as perfect as it could go, given the reality of the situation.
0: Well, since they don't like both want that, that wouldn't be the perfect outcome, right? Um,
1: right, but if they did both want that, that would be more perfect.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, more more orgasms the better. Hard to fight that. Um, but I like how Groglier the- has a built in term for uh, Crocker's rule. Oh yeah, Uh
1: medji or was it?
0: Yeah. Although it's it's the opposite. Basically, it's asking somebody, "Can you follow Crocker's rule while I, while I talk to you?" Yeah, yeah. But Got it I- was
1: um, it's a great
0: language, man. Yeah. And then, of course, what he does, it's like, yeah, this is the right to be forthright and blunt and whatever. And Greg says, yeah, of course. And June says, Do you have feelings for me, and he's like, that's not how this works. You mm-hmm. don't get to, you don't get to ask me to be open, and, or you don't get to ask to be blunt with me, and then ask, then ask me to be, you know, direct with you. Yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, my bad. Let me let me ask you. Let me actually be straight with you. Then, mm-hmm. um, oh, straight with you. That was almost a pun. Oh. Anyway, what
1: uh th- this okay so remember last episode we had all this talk about like june taking one for the team and bro jobs and all that because he offered to be his Krin real uh reading this like soulless in her five-year-old body was like yeah i'll be your crin and uh and drack is basically like yeah okay that sounds legit and cool and i guess i guess we were totally wrong apparently physical affection for dwarves means just a lot of cuddling and and snuggling up and stuff and is not explicitly a butt-touching cloaca thing, so uh, so I guess he was offering to cuddle and snuggle Grack
0: a lot. That doesn't sound so bad. I, you know, The thing is, uh, like June said before, like we can do cuddling, but not anything more. And mm-hmm. then Grack is saying, no, I'll go do this with her instead. Um, yeah. Did she even say, like, let's cuddle, or were they just going to share a bed? Um, um, definitely sharing a bed. I'm assuming there's cuddling involved. Yeah, there could be uh otherwise my modest my, my, my modern was my modest midwestern upbringing mm-hmm. you know is like wait she's five but no she's not she's 405 it's fine um oh yeah that's a good point
1: too maybe they don't have those puritanical hang hang ups that we do well and like you know people cuddle their children all the time so
0: um, yeah
1: yeah but i mean if it's more than that or whatever yeah
0: but there's the uh i i'm glad that this didn't and like june says that he felt bad about it It says that Mm -hmm. my He says, "Is there anything I could do about it?" Because Greg's describing it more as like, "No, what I feel for you isn't love or longing. It's like nostalgia." Mm -hmm. Um, And it's uh. And June says, "Is there anything I can do about that?" My my throat felt thick. If it's an unpleasant feeling, like I get the feeling like he's really choking the words out, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's like, He says that he feels bad about like not being able to do more or something. And yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe, again, it's my, my puritanical upbringing, but mm-hmm. I find Joan's impulse to, like, help his friend extremely admirable. But yeah. I have, like, huge reservations about him taking one for the team and laying down and thinking of England to, you know, do sexual things that he's not into just to make his friend feel better. Yeah. It doesn't feel quite as bad as what Amaryllis described her, you know, planning to go through, but not much wor- not much better. Yeah. Hold on. Let me yeah
1: okay here's that the, here it is greg says dwarves do not naturally feel much lust we do not get horny what i want in return when he was you know giving sexual favors to others was to be touched and held so yeah i guess it's explicitly not a sex thing for
0: dwarves um i i'll take him at his word and, and i think that's a good understanding of it i was laughing because when it's like it's on a sexual thing made me think of a line from santa clarita diet that It's like a quick, quick joke because every show in that, or every joke in that show is quick. But the daughter mentions like ASMR to the dad, and he's like, "Wait, what's that?" Well, no, it's you know, it's where you talk. Like he's like, "Is that like a sex thing?" He's like, "No, you talk quietly into a microphone. People like it, and it's not a sex thing." He's like, "Well, first of all, if it's paying her rent, it's definitely a sex thing." (laughs) 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 I mean, he's not—he's not wrong. (laughs) I
1: mean, he's
0: He's, not right. Yeah, it's—it's a nice uh, middle ground there. Um, yeah i think yeah, it's just,
1: that's, that's i think that's how it, yeah Grack is the like asmr thing it's a middle ground it's not a sex thing
0: no yeah but, but, but it's it's
1: it's a middle groundish.
0: yeah and it's interesting you know I'd, I'd hold anybody who needed it and that sort of thing but you know Grac's not really my type i think he'd be way too hairy for me to be comfortable like you know spooning in bed mm-hmm. and it's i don't know i'm glad they, they found an amicable solution and Grak seems like he's in a good place in his life as good as he possibly could be you know he's like no this is this isn't going to work between us that's 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 fine i'm not going to hold out for that that's not what this is supposed to be about yeah unless he's lying about in the mr's misrepresenting his feelings he seems like he's doing great yeah he wants it with someone who actually wants it in return yeah i think that that's important that's that's probably a big part of it you know Mm -hmm. like you know you pay somebody a gold coin they'll cuddle you for half an hour right Um, yeah probably more i'm not sure how much gold is worth but um you know, he, he could pay for all the cuddles he wants. That's not what he's going for. Yeah. Then again, you give someone two gold coins, they'll act like they really want to cuddle you for half an hour. Yeah, but, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's, it's you know, not quite the same. That does put it put to mind, though, if they're if they are looking for a solution, nah, that involves deception. I was going to say, hey. you know, June could just hire a prostitute to be super into grack next time they go out in public. Oh, and not tell grack. Yeah, but that's the hey. you know, that's not cool.
1: Yeah, it's the whole deception thing. Yeah. It's cool until he finds out, and then it's super not cool. Super not cool. Yeah. Alright, well we are done.
0: Whoa. <laughs> this was a shorter than typical reading and we went on just as long as we usually do. I told you that we would,
1: especially because we kinda of did like a little mini mini uh review there and also we knew we had less, so we talked more. Uh we're going to have to not do that next time because so Coming up, there's going to be a number of chapters for quite a while that are a bit longer than usual, and I think there's going to be a fair few weeks where we do three chapters instead of four, just because there are some pretty long chapters coming up. Uh, This next week isn't going to be one of them. We are going to have four chapters next week, but I do think we are going to have to cut a few things and go faster than we went
0: this week uh, in order to get through them all in a reasonable time. Hey, that works great for me, man. Now, I'll trust your judgment on driving this. Uh, Okay, cool. Yeah, other people have, you know, I think had hey, I want more chapters and you know we all want you know our entire season to come out on one day right but we don't get to do that we this this it comes out one week at a time so and when
1: we do get what we want it turns out we didn't want it after all
0: yeah the, the real long story was the friends we made along the way which hey, when i don't put it as corny as possible it's kind of true most of the fun of this you know I, I could read this and this would be a fun story that i'd be glad i did but this experience of doing it this way is a lot of fun so Mm-hmm. And I'm having the same thing with uh Mother of Learning right now. Like having to stop due to self-imposed fun is great. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so sorry, what are we doing next week? Next week we
1: are doing the next four chapters, 140 through 143. Those are 140, commingling Mingling. I thought that was when I first read it, I thought it was commingling but it looks like common mingling. Um 141, Monty Hall, hmm. 142, Sound and Silence,
0: and 143, Manifold Paths. Not a lot to go off of there. Um, Monty Hall isn't spelled like Monty Hall, but I'm guessing there's going to be lots of doors to kick in. Um, (laughs) And they're going to get a good haul out of it because it's spelled Mm H-A-U-L. Manifold Paths. I feel like there was another chapter that sounded kind of like that at some point, but it's not coming to mind. So, all right, I got nothing. We got to just go forth and see what's out there. And before we go forth and see what's out
1: there, we want to remind people that uh, they can find us at our homepage, com. You can also support us on our Patreon or come to the Discord where you talk with us if you want to do those things. Steven? Uh-oh, I lost Steven. Hello, Steven. I am going to steal his normal words. Hopefully he has not been sucked into another dimension where he has to play a video game to survive and become God. But on the other hand, maybe hopefully he has, because then he can make all of our lives so much better anyways uh this is alexander wales's game we're just playing it thanks for joining us everybody and bye (laughs)
0: <laughs> Erections.